When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 576. Got to talk some spring training reactions. In order to do so, special friend of mine, friend of the show, compadre at Gaining the Edge Fantasy. Uh, go to patreon.com backslash GTE to fantasy to make that work for you. Um, a lot of good stuff over there. He writes for The Athletic, Fantasy Pros, and much, much more. He's a killer on the YouTube as well, uh, doing all the big boy stuff. But I have him here because he's the OG when it comes to spring training news oh, and lineups and all that stuff. He's the man, the myth, the legend behind it, the one, the only, Mike Curlin. How you doing, my friend? I need like a, a cheer track. That was too nice of an intro. But no, I appreciate you having me on, Bob, as always, man. Love catching up with you. And OG, huh? Um, I guess, I mean, I, I have noticed, we've talked about it a little bit, just I've noticed people covering it more, and I'm honestly happy. Um, shout out to guys like Rob DiPietro and uh, Chris Clegg. I even saw Cross doing it a little bit. I, th- there's a huge piece of pie out there for all of us to share, honestly. Um, and it pushes me to be better because having good people putting out quality content of similar stuff with their own little twist to it, it's not the same exact stuff. It pushes me to want to include more in my content and do more. And, and I feel like I have this year to my detriment because it's been a pain in the butt to keep up. The WBC has really thrown, we can talk about that. It's a whole nother thing. It's just thrown things off. But um, all things considered, I do, um, I'm enjoying it. And I am also enjoying the fact that there are others seeing the relevance in it it took a couple of years i feel like i feel like i got lost I, I got you know you were there i got a lot of crap for a lot of the stuff i did for the last couple of years and now i'm seeing more people mm-hmm. in, kind of dive into it more. so it's gaining a little bit of respect which is nice put yeah, some respect well, on my name there you go it definitely is i think it's only <laughs> fitting i have the puerto rico dominican republic game going on the second i introduced you eloy jimenez hit one off the top of the right center field wall for a double <sighs> so it was like it was like almost meant to be your boy almost oh, goes papo taco right out the gate so my boy, that, that was pretty quality. Uh, before we get going, we're going to go team by team and give a little highlights uh, throughout spring training the best we can. Like you mentioned, the WBC, as fun as it is, it's been exciting. There's been some good stuff to it. Uh, all those players not being in spring camp kind of make uh, deciphering lineups and playing time a little more difficult. But let everybody know what else you got going on. You're a busy, busy guy. Well, yeah. Uh, so I actually, I'm going to get back at it, but Fantasy Pros, I've been doing some freelance work. I got two articles coming out probably this week for The Athletic. I'm working on one. I have to finish up after this podcast. Um, more about spring training. So it's pretty much all spring training all the time right now, which is all a lot of fun. But, you know, we transitioned from spring training to 
three to four weekly lineups, uh, lineup write-ups in season for the Patreon, uh, strictly for the Patreon. So like, that's where I'm going to be doing most of my in-season content. It's going to be the same concept, but in-season, catching everything in real time. And I, I like to emphasize that because people know me for spring training, but it's the same level of content just in-season. There's no little fancy lineup tracking chart because we have you know good resources for that. But what I do is I break it down um, same way, team by team, Three to four days a week. The reason why is because you need a couple days to let stuff form. Unless something serious happens, like an injury or something, I can I usually throw up a little extra post just writing breaking that down in terms of who's gonna. But the goal here is that catch trends in real time. You know, like platoons, um, players running hot, running cold, looking at uh, matchups for the week, and ta- discussing streaming options for you know mostly for deeper formats. But it all goes hand in hand now. It's not. It used to be as simple as hey, look, this guy's leading off, and oh, look, he's leading off again, and oh, look, he's leading off three out of four. Like that's used to, that used to be the pretty much the meat and potatoes of the content. But now that's like one of the minor notes of like, hey, so this guy, and you'll see what we get into tonight as an example. But um, that's pretty much what's going to be happening in the near future. But other than that, you mentioned the spring training stuff. That's always happening. But um, in, as we transition in the, into the season, the, that type of content follows me over for six months of uh, a lot of fun and frustration. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, the gain of the edge fantasy that we put together, you, myself, uh, Michael Simeon, and Jorge Montanez. It's, it's been a cool development. Simeon, no, no, no. We have to uh, talk. He, he is he is the person who shall not be named. He's like Voldemort of our just just when I when you're talking to me, that's how Simeon will be referred to as Voldemort. No, yes. Yeah, so, I sorry, I can't help myself. I have yeah, to anytime I have a chance to throw a jab at Simeon, I take it. Like today, I wish that the Legos that he built would yes. fall over from his dog. Yes, you guys are like uh, you guys are literally brothers. The way you guys fight, it's very very cute. But um, yeah, it's a cool thing we got going on. <laughs> yeah. uh, Simeon will have his uh, streaming going on, his SP streaming throughout the year over there. I'll have DFS, some fab content, and some other goodies. Jorge will have relievers and other stuff too. He's sharp as hell. Um, he's just he's 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 the quietest of the four of us. So he just kind of like hangs out, but he's probably the smartest of the four of us as well. So probably the best uh, player too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah the like, sharpest player. He's always drafting, always drafting. So um, if you need someone to fill your league, just call, just you know text DM him. He'll probably play. Um, <laughs> he'll tell you so. he can't do it, and then if he sees the fact that it's like seven out of twelve, or you yeah. know ten out of fifteen, he'll be like, oh, I guess I'll be eleven. I guess I'll be eight. Yeah, yeah, that's jump in. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. You guys come check it out. It's cheap as five bucks. It's it's a, it's a great community we got going in the Discord and much much more. And once the season really gets popping, I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. So uh, come check that out. Come check out Underdog Fantasy, which we'll have a lot more going on throughout the end season, especially with that um, and tons of good stuff there. Uh, let's talk team by team. Let's just start. I'm just gonna go down your sheet here, and um, we'll start in the NL East. Does that work for you, Michael? NL East. That works. I'm pulling it up right now. Okay, let's just start with uh, the Atlanta Braves, and you know, with Acuna not around, and some other Matt Olson's not around, some other factors. We see, you know, the big question has been like, what's Von Grissom going to do this year? How's Ozzy Albies going to hit in the lineup? Maybe some other questions, you know, obviously with um, some injuries to the pitching staff, Ian Anderson getting sitting down. What are you seeing as some potential, like, I guess, uh, takeaways for fantasy at this point in time? So the good news is that uh, the players missing from the lineup, you pretty much like and that's a good thing about the WBC. Like people were so worried about what to watch when in all reality, most of them, we already knew what to expect in terms of placement and lineup and kind of who the player is, you know, like a, like a Acuna type of thing. That's, you know, we, we don't need to really speculate. He's going to lead off. Blah, blah, blah. So really 
some of the bigger takeaways from this lineup was the fact that so far Sean Murphy, I think he started five games this year, this spring, and all of them have been batting fourth. And our big concern here was plate appearances, and he's still not going to play as much. I think he played what 160 games and had over 600 plate appearances for this team last year, for the A's last year. I would expect closer to 130, 140, but it's still for our catcher, it's still top notch. You don't get that from a lot of catchers. And now we're talking about a guy who could be hitting in the middle of one of the better lineups in baseball compared to maybe batting second, third. So he's losing some plate appearances, but he should cheat. But Murphy should turn that into quality over quantity. So I think there's going to be some growth there, especially with the fact they had over 30 doubles last year, only 18 home runs. I could see easily 20 plus home runs now and better counting stats, even with less plate appearances. So all things considered, if that holds true, getting clean up bat Sean Murphy as your catcher and he's going like as the 10th catcher off the board, roughly give or take i think that's a solid place to fall back on for your first catcher if you miss on some of those better options up ahead of them and then um albies was you mentioned it i'm i just want to see what he does in season against righties because just because we've seen him kind of that's been his has been that's been his killer's heels been righties and maybe the maybe the shift stuff the role those rules will maybe benefit him i don't know yet um, it's good to see him kind of tap into some of that power as we uh, saw spring come along. He started off slow, but you know, he's showing health. He's playing the field. He started, uh, I'll be started off just playing DH. So we were watching that, making sure you can play the field, stay healthy. And he's tapping a little bit of a po- power. No, no, no stone bases this spring. And considering how Acuna was running before he was even like 100% with the ACL, seeing Albies not run at all kind of was like, I wonder why. And I would think that's more so on him, just playing, taking it easy, getting getting to season healthy type of thing. But I'm just wondering, because Albies being the compiler that we've known him to be with a little bit of upside beyond being a compiler, how much will batting what's likely the sixth spot to start the year and probably for a good portion of the year, unless he hits his way up, like we saw Swanson do about a month and a half into the year. But uh, Albies has me, I'm concerned in terms of what are we going to get now that he's healthy, but even now he's at, like I said, that bottom of the third lineup spot, losing all those plate appearances. Yeah, that has me a little, I haven't I haven't got a single share of him. I'm not exactly out, but I can't say I'm in, obviously, if, I'm, if I have no shares of him. So that's been kind of the thing with uh, Albies. And then you mentioned Grissom, lastly, here in terms of uh, – real quick on him is just that I was wrong to think that he would, I, I just, they were so, they just weren't so forthcoming about the shortstop uh, position coming into the year. They said it was going to be his, but he had to earn it. And then, you know, Ron Washington spoke really well of him all off season, but then you had the GM kind of like, well, we want to see what we have with Narcia. So I'm like, well, who do we believe? I know Ron Washington play, uh, you know, coaches him one-on-one and all that, but the GM's word shouldn't just be ignored, but apparently it should have been because it's yeah. been pretty much all Grissom all the time. And Grissom's by far out playing them. And if spring stats matter, it's in situations like this where you're looking for guys to kind of stand out and take over a position battle. And not only has it been Grissom's pretty much from go, but the playing time and the performance have been in his favor. And that's kind of what it is with Grissom. It's just that, yeah, he's going to be batting like eighth or ninth. And he hasn't shown any real power this spring. So it's the, there's some there, but maybe not what we're expecting. But you're talking about a guy batting ninth, even for one of the better lineups in baseball still a limit to what we should be expecting he is running i believe he has a couple stolen bases this spring so at least he's running is one so at least he's running and he's batting over 300 but only a 737 ops so again the power has been non-existent but that again as he gets comfortable playing shortstop maybe that comes around a little bit a couple quick hitters on them uh you mentioned sean murphy Travis day arnaud's still getting drafted like in two catcher leagues pretty high i thought i've kind of been wary of that with murphy being so active but like are you seeing anything that maybe makes them worth a chance in this uh, early spring or is it kind of more just they're letting Murphy get rest you think 
See, I'm taking it as they're not going to push Murphy when the games don't matter. They, they know what they got there in him. They went out They went out of their way to trade for him. I do think Murphy's going to sit regularly. I think he plays two out of three type of thing, maybe gets the occasional extra day off. So five out of seven, sometimes four out of seven, which for a catcher, that's pretty standard yeah. these days. And uh, Darno will DH a little bit. He'll catch probably, what, 60-plus games maybe, maybe closer to 40 games. Because uh, Darno isn't known to stay healthy either. Murphy is known to be a bit of an Iron Man, so I would expect them to, especially. And Darno's, you know, defensively is strong. That's gonna play up to his him being in the lineup. But the bat is also good enough for Murphy to stay in as a DH. And that's the thing. If anybody, if I'm concerned about anybody's plate appearances, it's gonna be Ozuna entering the year. That's where I'm curious how that's gonna play out because you have Darno who can DH. Last year they showed a willingness to DH. Uh, Darno and um, Contreras, even with Ozuna in the picture, Ozuna would go through runs of not even playing. Ozuna's now, if you actually look at his uh, numbers, like the underlying metrics, they're all still they were all still really strong with the power production anyway, the power underlying power metrics. Ozuna made a point to strengthen up his left uh, his arm so he could play more left field this year. Maybe that's his path to playing time a little bit, but obviously Eddie Rosario is probably going to be leading the way there, especially on the strong side of a platoon. So Ozuna would be the one where I'm questioning his play appearances and obviously Darno being second fiddle to Murphy, but still factoring in at times. So I, I, to go back to your original question though. Yeah. Murphy, I'm just, I look at it like it's just, they're easing them in. They're not, they're not using up the mileage, so to speak. Uh, they're letting other players get that, get that time in, but ultimately it's, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Murphy most of the time in season when it matters. And then Michael Harris, the second, he's been hitting fifth most of the time, but obviously when yeah. Olsen comes back, Alvi or uh, Acuna comes back, do you see that sliding him down to like sixth or seventh? Or because he's still getting drafted pretty high for a guy that's not going to be probably towards the top of the order. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, the, the comp that comes to mind is um like a um oh wow, your boy over there uh in Houston, Tucker, Kyle Tucker. Yeah, that's Just true. A, a really good hitter, a guy with the tools for fantasy purposes. And should and we we would always we usually worry about the the counting stats with guys batting towards you know the bottom half of the uh, line, the order, but guys like this in these lineups tend to overcome that a bit. So I'm looking at it like uh, I'm already kind of banking on Harris being the exception to the rule in terms of just outproducing certain metrics and stuff and just being a toolsy player that's going to stand out from all that. But um, ultimately. Yeah, it's uh, it is a little bit concerning. I do think fifth is going to be about where he settles, regardless, because we saw a couple of lineups early in spring where it was like the regulars, like Acuna, Olsen, Riley. They had a Rosario plugged in at four. That's but you know, insert Murphy move. I think Rosario is going to bat b- below uh, Harrison and Albies. But even if Rosario factors in there, you know, Albies being the switch hitter and Harris being the lefty, there's no reason why they would, you know, they can't, they wouldn't really force another, another lefty bat in there to try to give you that, you know, alternating you know, lefty righty all the way down the deal. So ultimately I think Harris is going to bat fifth to start off the year. And it's going to be up to him to hit his way up or down. Cause again, it's almost like it goes back to how Swanson was um, yeah. just when you th- like Olsen, I think, I think I looked, I looked up tonight. Olsen was, he hit second, I think in each of the first 41 games of 2022. And then we all know how that worked out. Swanson hit his way up and stayed there. So I think if somebody does push their way up, they're, they're open to moving Olsen down and slotting everyone down a spot. And not to mention, you know, like it goes back to Murphy missing time. There's always going to be some like a middle of the order spot open between Murphy just taking days off or maybe performance will move people around. But ultimately, I think fifth is going to be the low end spot for Harris. Start to, and again, it goes back to starting off. He could hit his way up easily, but 
I mean, what this this spring for what it's worth. I mean, only a 905 OPS for for Harris. You know, it's yeah. for, <laughs> only only a, no. He's uh, he's he's picking up where he left off so far. The games don't count yet, but two home runs, one stolen base for Harris. Good numbers, batting average is iffy, but good on base, good power numbers. So he'll be fine. Fine. I'm, yeah, I'm not too worried. And the last thing, I know this doesn't really go with your lineups per se, but just for the listeners at least to pay attention to with the injuries, Negan Anderson going to AAA, two non-roster invitees are rumored to get the fifth spot in the rotation, and Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd. Uh, I don't know if you have a lean on any of those roster resource, but Jared Schuster in. I know some very sharp people on Twitter last night on Tuesday night were saying Dylan Dodd is the guy they want. I think both are maybe the specs in like a DC format, but uh, how do you approach this? I don't approach it. I just, I, I just, kind of, yeah. I, I let other people. It's, it's. I don't understand. I thought Ian Anderson was doing enough to earn that. He you was know? pitching really well too. Yeah, it's very surprising. Very. Surprising. And then unless, unless Soroka, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not bothering with Soroka. I don't know if I know there might be a late, a latest setback for all I know. I stopped following honestly because he was, you know, coming back had a hamstring, got derailed. So maybe Soroka's closer than we expect returning. So maybe that's why they're not leaving Anderson up, knowing it's a short term thing. Because that, that would be the only thing I could think of as to yeah. why they aren't giving Anderson full run. They must. I'm gonna look up Soroka's information because that's the only thing that made sense to me when I heard this. I was like, maybe Soroka is gonna be back sooner than later. I think he might be back soon, but he's still gonna be limited on innings. So it's kind of oh, a, absolutely a tricky deal. Absolutely, he'll be limited on innings. But at the same time, it's one of those things where they obviously prefer his innings to be at least towards the beginning of the season. True. Yeah. See, throwing off a mound—that's ominous. What is that like? Yeah. What is he gonna so show up? Yeah, late April, maybe. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what are we? That's why I don't understand why they couldn't give Anderson a full run of that first month to see what happens. Cause now I think, didn't Anderson even vocally like come out saying how frustrated he was to be sent down last year and all that? And yeah, yeah, he he's did. doing what he had to do to earn a chance at the at the five spot and he didn't get it. So that's really, again, really weird. I don't understand that. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around it. Well, if you want to talk about really weird and hard time wrapping your head around it, let's go to the Miami Marlins because um, this is a team like earlier in spring. We're like, oh, good. This is some stuff here. You got Cooper. You got Soler, Avi, uh, obviously Jazzy Jazz, a lot of good things. Then they go and sign Yuli Gurriel, and then they go and sign Jose Iglesias. And they're minor league deals, but they look like they're going to get some run here. So what are you doing with this team? Because there's so many moving pieces now. Like Joey Wendell was going to be the shortstop. Now he's kind of uh, moving around, and there's just – it's getting harder and harder to like anybody outside of like jazz and maybe Soler and Garcia in the outfield, like be confident about at least. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm still not sure what to think about with the corner outfield spot in between Dela Cruz and uh, Sanchez. They're both kind of doing decent behind the plate this year. Um, you know, the reports keep saying it's Jesus Sanchez's job to lose, but I don't know. I haven't. I feel like I haven't read that from an actual reputable source. It's always a beat writer or somebody that gets like, oh, I had the the feel this the feel from uh, from his uh from the manager's uh, quotes and all that. Like I'm like I don't care about all that. Somebody give me an answer, and I'm like I, I, we're not getting one. So whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, that's like that situation is really what I'm watching the most here, just because we don't know what's gonna happen. So that keeps well, me away from Dela Cruz. A, a major deciding factor there could be Sanchez has zero options and Dela Cruz has two. Yes, and that's I was actually just looking at that too on Roster Resource, and that's uh, that's why I'm curious why if they would do that. And 
Not to mention Wendell. I don't think Wendell's the best defensive shortstop. So Iglesias. I didn't know how he was going to play shortstop full time. That made no yeah. sense to me. Well, he can't stay healthy anyway, or at least hasn't been able to in the past. So, but uh, Iglesias, and you know, the Marlins are known to prefer, at least they have with Rojas as shortstop, a, a glove first shortstop. And considering that the defense, other than, you know, around there, it's already kind of iffy on defense. They're talking about playing Guriel second, which that's not going to happen. I refuse to believe that's going to happen. That's just stupid. But um, Guriel is going to factor into first base. It becomes a little more crowded with the whole first base, first base DH outfield deal. And because, you know, Soler's supposed to DH, but Cooper DHs. And then I think those three are going to kind of just solidify that, the whole DH first base situation. Uh, Soler's going to DH at times. Cooper, it's going to be, I think Guriel gets the least amount of playing time out of the three. I had to guess, but this is one of those weird things where the Marlins just kind of attacked the offseason with a bunch of mediocrity and a bunch of like hitters. Like, hey, we're, you're some right handed ball. hitters. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, schematics. And then maybe that goes back to arguing does Jesus Sanchez deserve a spot in the lineup because he's a lefty bat? Because they can use one. So, yeah, that's really what I'm looking at. Obviously, it's all about these players bounce back. Do we have Solaire bounce back? Do we have Avi bounce back? Uh, if they do, they're going to be in for great years because of where they're going to hit. They're going to be hitting top five in the lineup. There's a lot of hidden uh, RBI opportunities there. Luis Arias should lead off. I know Rochester shows him batting third, but Arias, prior to leaving for the WBC, was like exclusively leading off for like the five games. Was it just to get at bats? We haven't. And the thing is, is after he left, we haven't seen anybody else slotted in there regularly because if they wanted to get Jazz comfortable batting leadoff again, there's no reason they, they have no reason not to lead them off just for plate appearances, and they haven't even done that. Solaire, same thing. Avi, same thing. They could be getting these guys reps at the leadoff spot. Instead, they almost have them just getting comfortable in their, you know, they're batting between three and five in the lineup. Usually, Avi around five, Solaire between two and four. So those guys aren't getting even the reps at the top of the lineup. Even and like I said, Jazz has been sitting second now for like I think the last five games. So Jazz is probably not leading off. This it just goes back to this is one of the few spots where a hitter, I can't. We need to see him back in the lineup to see what they're going to do to see exactly where he's going to be. But he was leading off before he left. And Luis Arias, that is, and Arias. They, it's almost like they've been holding his spot, letting guys like John Birdie get reps there. Garrett Hampson, Jesus Sanchez even let off a game. My point is, is they're not making a point to lead off other people, almost as yeah. if they have a plan for that spot being Arias's. That's my read on it. It just kind of makes sense considering the other options. But, yeah, I think Wendell, if you're looking to avoid play players, avoid Wendell. I would avoid uh, De La Cruz at cost. Maybe I'll miss out. I'm okay with that just because if we're questioning – if there's even a, a speck of – if there's even the potential for Cruz not to – for De La Cruz not to be starting – and he's yeah, going around ADP. He's yeah. going well, like one wrong one like 180, 170. So he's in that range. He has been at least throughout draft season. So I'm off the top of my head. But that's the type of guy that I'm like, uh, I'll I'll just pass. I'll someone else is gonna take him. Even if he drops the 200, it's like I was intrigued when the playing time seemed like it was there, but now that there's even a, a hint that it's not, it's not there's just other vi- viable options there. So he's kind of those are the two guys I'm just kind of avoiding altogether, and the rest. Garrett Cooper is probably one of the better values just because of how far he goes in drafts. He's usually a reserve round guy. So if you're looking for a guy with like a safe floor that's going to be hitting around fourth in the lineup most days in a lineup that's not going to be terrible at the top, Garrett Cooper is interesting. And Solaire, if you're looking for a guy with 30 home run upside going late. Yeah, in uh, the last week of uh, OCs, there's been 22 actually in the last week. So you have a big sample. Ryan Day of the Cruz is going around 250 now. So he's starting to – Oh, wow. Oh, but he's really still – like if he's not going to play, like what are we, what are we <laughs> yeah. doing? Uh, Jesus Sanchez, these are 12 team leagues. Jesus Sanchez isn't even getting drafted, so that tells you that. Uh, Garrett Cooper at like 360, uh, which is pretty much undrafted in the 12. Yeah, Solaire 270, 
And, I'd have uh, Solaire over uh, DLC. Then I mean, have a Slugar C at 356. Give me so, Abby over him, too. Yeah, there's a lot of Marlins potential value, I guess, if you believe in the Marlins, but it's, it's sketchy. And the, and the Luis Arias problem, Venezuela just advanced to the quarterfinals, so you're not going to yeah. see him again for a little while. Yeah, he's not go- he's not coming back anytime soon. But uh, he's one of the few guys again. If you're just reading through the tea leaves here a little bit, if you're if you're reading through the what do you want to call it, read through the lines. It's like I said, the way they're treating the leadoff spot, it's almost like they're just filling it in with anyone waiting for Arise to return to his rightful spot. Which we all know Arise can be a solid leadoff hitter just because oh, of how good base. of a hitter he is. He gets on base plenty, being that type of guy. But it's a rare it's a real skill set. We don't see that skill set no more. But he he's still he's got it. But yeah, he, uh, that's why it's like I didn't realize the other Cruz fell that much. I obviously haven't been paying attention to the 12-team ADP. So uh, at 250, I still don't like him. <laughs> yeah, I still don't like him if he's not going to play. Like it's, There's it's way too many question marks, and I'd rather have Avi and Jorge Soler 100 picks later Yeah, if, if I had that choice. Uh, let's go to the New York Mets here where a lot of their guys are playing in the WBC right now a lot. Yeah. Like If you look at these lineups outside like Starling Marte, you're just like, yeah, Who? you can throw this lineup away pretty much is the way I look at it. So how are you – even like, what are you taking away? Maybe Brett Beatty's having a big spring. Uh, any takeaway? Mar- Marte looks healthy. I'll say that much. <laughs> he always looks healthy for like 120 <laughs> games a year. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm looking at the fact that, you know, Nimmo, I was watching the wait to see if Nimmo would get back, and he's been leading off regularly again, as he should, but it's more or less just seeing that he was healthy. That was something I was watching. But this was also one of those teams where if you look at it on paper, they didn't really have questions coming into this spring sure, either their one through nine is almost set already once once they didn't once they'd never land once they didn't land Correa, there was no question Marte was kind of like okay Marte is going to probably bat sixth well now Marte has a clear spot to going right back to the two spot where he was at most of last year so uh that was kind of the only thing now it's just a matter of I, I'm pro Beatty over here hoping that uh Beatty takes over that third base spot again from uh, Escobar, like we saw last year. And the big spring plays in his favor. He's even running. He has two stolen bases, which did, he might have a little sneaky speed there. Maybe that's a takeaway just because of the fact that he's two for two. Not sure there's much you could take from that spring training, but the fact that he's running and he's uh, successful at it gives me reason to believe that maybe with the new rules, he sees a way to be a little more effective on the base pass. Other than that, though, Beatty is just a guy that he took the job once. I expect him to take it again. I don't think Escobar's leash is very long. So Escobar's a guy that I've been fading in in deeper leagues where he's relevant. He's not being drafted in 12-teamers probably, more than likely. Uh, Beatty's got a 345 ADP. Yeah, Beatty. And even that, even Beatty's – Escobar's 354. Escobar's going nine picks later. I hate the word free, but it's close. Yeah. To, like in a twelve teamer, Beatty's free. Yeah, three hundred sixty picks. So yeah, basically, Beatty's free. Basically, he's he's end game guy that people that once he gets sent down, which is very possible if they want to start with Escobar, he'll be a free agent. He'll be a fab pickup. But I like what I'm seeing from Beatty in spring, coming off the you know the fact that he won the job presented the, the year before that injury. I, I just Beatty's the only thing I've really been watching. This is one of those teams that. Them and the Phillies. I'm just gonna skip over to because like yeah. they're the kind of the same idea. Like there's very little there. The only thing was was what the DH there in Philadelphia, and it's pretty much yeah. Derek Hall. And Derek Hall is having what four? He has four home runs over a thousand OP over a thousand OPS. But the big thing for him, something that was worth watching, was his strikeout rate because it spiked so heavily in the in this big league sample last year, like over thirty percent. This year, Derek Hall has like a fifteen point six percent strikeout rate. This is again, I just wrote all this up, so it's like top yeah. of mind in terms of the numbers might be close. It's close, but uh, Hall is the only guy there that's like I'm really watching in terms of playing time because he's the only one that really has anything to fight for. Everyone else, kind of, you can almost write there where they're at in lineup and. Inc. You have Schwarber's batting second. That was a little bit of uh, 
I, I not that I'm surprised because obviously what's uh, when uh, what's his face signed uh, Trey Turner once yeah. he signed he kind of he probably had his spot to pick in the lineup but now I'm just more so curious how does Castellanos fall does Castellanos kind of fall to like five six because if you go um Hoskins does Hoskins settle into the three spot or four yeah, spot range with, with Romuto yeah. so it's kind of like that's the only thing is like where does Castellanos fall does Hall, does Hall split up split up Hoss, or split up one of those guys in, in Casty yeah because he's a lefty and they don't have any lefty yeah. bats in the middle of the lineup with Harper out so Definitely. yeah it's uh stuff like that. That's where I'm, that's kind of what I'm looking for. But we're that's one of those things where we don't have everyone back yet to really see. But we know worst case scenario what Castellanos is batting sixth, which yeah. isn't in this lineup is still strong. But then Alec Bohm, who moved his way up the lineup last year, is having a decent spring too. So does Bohm push? Does Castellanos theoretically? I guess I'm a, I think here at very worst case scenario, Castellanos could bat seventh, which would be wild to me. I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, he hasn't. He, you know, he came off that down year last year, a little bit of injuries. And, um, yeah, there's, I mean, right now the show's like obviously uh, roster resource puts Bohm there. And I'm inclined to believe with the Derek Hall Bohm six, seven spot deal going on. But I, I like you said, if you want to mix a lefty in the top, because they have all these lefties at the bottom, they have three out of four lefties at the bottom yeah, and four out of five. Yeah, you, I agree. I think if Hall shows any signs of life, Hall could easily slot up in that mix move Castellanos down a little bit or Hoskins, one of the two will, will would fall in the process. And then Bohm, again, Bohm's just a solid pure hitter. Um, he And he's proven worthy of hitting towards the, towards the top of the lineup, which there's no clear opening for him at the moment. But oh, I'm just looking at this is like this lineup takes is taking more time than I thought it was going to take just because I'm looking at the what ifs. But realistically, yeah. it's I'm just more or less, I guess, if there's one takeaway, Castellanos could be affected the most Far, in terms farther of, down than we thought. Five to seven range is where he's probably going to land. Most likely fifth. Most likely fifth. But if they want to put, but a if he's struggling there, again, they could easily slide him down and let him try to figure it out again. Like I, that from, wouldn't be shocking. And it goes back to the fact that the only players that kind of hit worse than him, besides their call last year, are Stott and Marsh. And although all yeah. four, all three of those names are batting six through nine in this lineup, so there's a chance we have Cassiano's batting sixth, seventh earlier in the season than later. And that's that's one. If there's a concern for anybody, it would be him. And I, again, I'm I'm reaching right now. I feel like I'm reaching yeah. a little bit, but I, it's not it's, that it's far. It's speculating, out of and we're like in the heart of draft season. That's why I want to have you on. Like, what are you seeing from these lineups? Because yeah. when you're in in your draft and you're looking between like Cassie and a couple other outfielders, like I think a lot of us believe Cassie's going to bounce back from last year. Last year was just horrific, but if he doesn't bounce back or he's hitting seventh, like how much is the bounce back like possible? That's a big crutch to his overall production. So it's it's yeah. it's worth the conversation at least just to kind of give us something to think about. It's not as easy of a pick as maybe some might think type now, situation. I want to emphasize he's most likely batting fifth. I do think fifth yeah. is the but there's spot a chance. To start the you got to throw a chance out there. And yeah, you got to think of the the fact that I feel like fifth, unless he completely smacks the ball, fifth is kind of best case scenario. He could bat as high as third, obviously if Hoskins struck. You know, because we've seen these two flip flop in the lineup, depending on who's hitting better. So there is that chance of like those two flip flopping, et cetera, all that good stuff. But it's just one of those things where it's like Castellanos does have some small red flags, like very very small ones. Like just again, it goes back to this is where I would give it like a tiebreaker type of deal. Like you mentioned, we're in draft season. If I'm torn between Castellanos and someone else, I'm thinking, well, Castellanos might be stuck getting less. less plate appearances that might be where i it's a tiebreaker and that's another thing spring that's where i get like i, I want to emphasize you know spring we take things with a grain of salt but we have to try to nitpick because where these guys are going especially at castellanos you have to nitpick especially when you're torn between him and someone else maybe you want to go somewhere else because of one or two small factors and plate appearances are a big enough factor at least play appearances projected play appearances at the beginning of the year is that if that's what you're trying to get a little edge on 
that would be a good tiebreaker, I think. It's a small tiebreaker, but you're looking for small tiebreakers with the early picks. Yep, for sure. Uh, I just want to mention Derek Hall's going around 358. Again, back into draft util only. He's in an FBC, though, so keep that in mind. But he's you a first-half guy. Base. Yeah, dump him once you know Harper comes back. And then I did want to mention on the Beatty thing, Scott Jinstead tweeted it out the other day to Vlad Siller, and it made me laugh because in an FBC, if a guy's not drafted and he's a prospect, oh. essentially, you can't add him until he comes and plays. So he said, with one of your last picks, why don't you draft him and then drop him, and then you can pick him up like a few weeks earlier if you want for like a dollar instead of playing the big uh, free agent. Just something to think about if you guys are feeling frisky. I'm not saying it's the the best approach, but something to think. Maybe about. that's pushing. The, maybe that alone is pushing the ADP for that because it's he's getting final round picks is what it yep. sounds like from his ADP. Yep. So and yep. it makes sense. That's a really see. This is why those guys are awesome because little things like that. Because I don't do enough fab leagues. I wouldn't have, especially for NFBC, I, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't cross my mind to do that. And that's, that's a, that's a savvy move. And it's common sense for the average player for sure. But yep. someone like, I, I do DCs for a reason. Leave me yes, alone. I'll sure. go, set, I'll go set my, I'll go set my lineups twice a week and do content in between. Like that's, that's, that's my thing in season. Like, okay. All right. Let's wrap up the NL East with the Washington Nationals, a team that only if you have to take some picks, it's not ideal. But I guess the biggest questions is like, where are we seeing, uh, the potential C.J. Abrams situation because, you know, we thought he'd be the top of the order. Then there's rumors he's not going to be at the top of the order. That's the biggest thing for me. Everything else is just kind of like, you know, there's some long shot plays maybe in D.C.'s and a 12. I'm not touching most of these guys anyways. You mean Alex Call doesn't do it for you, buddy? Nah, um, does, doesn't which, quite pull it off, no. It, it, well, we saw Alex Call get some run late last year. Uh, I think he's leading the – if there's like a fourth outfielder competition, at least there was, according to the manager, David Martinez, and I think he's leading that way. So if you're looking at, for DCs for – A heck only, of a spring. Yeah, that's why it's like I, it's, it's worth bringing up his uh, – it's worth bringing up Call's name, calling him out, so to speak. Um, Sorry, well I couldn't. Well <laughs> it's well terrible. Done. It's terrible, but uh, he's having a really big spring, and it's not just—it's—it's it's weird because he has four doubles, so it's ca- kind of counting the OPS. But the, uh, he has four walks, four stolen bases, so it's one for one, and this is over a thirty-four plate appearance. You know, a couple stolen bases, and he's shown the speed in the past. So Alex Call has a little bit of a fantasy viable skill set. It's just one of those things that the playing time might not be there initially. However, he probably will be the fourth outfielder, and we did see last year a willingness to sit Robus and even Lane Thomas. So if those guys underperform, Call could easily be the guy who fills in there so just a name to keep top uh, top of mind and he's dc relevant that's pretty much it right now dc or ale only if you're still drafting dcs at this point in the offseason which most people moved on from but um yes. going back to what you're mentioning with cj abrams so the manager came out first like week of the preseason or spring said yeah he's not gonna he's in, they're gonna hit the bottom of the lineup so what does he do hits him at the top of the lineup with every main lineup pretty much too all the way through spring up until a couple of games ago Abrams was batting exclusively first or second every single start up until Sunday. And then the last two, he's been batting sixth. And these two lineups have been, well, at least one of them was with a, lot, like a good amount of the starters ahead of them. Corey Dickerson, Dominic Smith, Lane Thomas. They're missing Manessis, and uh, I think they're missing another name. But, uh, oh, and uh, no, Kyber Ruiz is still in there. So I don't know what's going on there. But um, point being is that all those names I just mentioned, along with Lane Thomas, probably will hit ahead of them and abrams hasn't forced their hand that's kind of the big thing i was looking to see what abrams would do this spring a 594 ops i think the strikeout rate's like 30 percent yeah. almost 35 it's not, it's not great and it's one, four it's one steals, thing it's though. like four steals four steals but a 286 obp so yeah. that obp so and that's one of those things where i know spring stats don't really matter but when you're looking for a guy to 
earn when they're talking about he has to when the manager comes out and says he has to hit his way up pretty much and pretty much like the way he sounded it was like he has to earn that top of the lineup spot and he comes out and hits 269 with a sub 300 ops and a 35 percent or whatever strikeout rate that's not earning that spot at the top of the lineup i don't see abrams breaking camp with a top of the lineup spot now if you look at his projections he was never projected lineup uh lead like full-time leadoff uh, playing appearances anyway, played appearances yeah. anyway. So that was, I feel like they factored that in even before they realized that they should be factoring it in, which worked out for projections. But all in all, Abrams batting bottom third of the lineup is, I would feel very confident that that's what's probably going to happen. Like right now, like last two games, he's batted sixth. I think sixth might be best case scenario. But again, they are missing a couple pieces here in these lineups yeah. that he's batted sixth in. But sixth, seventh, that's probably likely. Luis Garcia might even edge him out for one of those spots. That's why seventh, eighth might be happening for him all in all it's not a great lineup and you're talking about a guy who's gonna be batting at the bottom of a bad lineup there's there's gonna be even less plate appearances for him like he might bat seventh and have less plate appearances than miguel vargas batting ninth for the dodgers it, like it, to, give, to give you just to give you an idea of like it might be not less but very it could be so it could be similar is my point like uh, just because of how good one team is versus the other you, you could see more plate appearances or at least equal amount of plate appearances for a guy in uh, vargas batting technically lower in his respective lineup Good call. Which is just Good how call. bad this damn lineup is. This the yeah. Washington lineup is. It's like I would have been excited like three years ago with, with Dom Smith and Corey Dickerson, like guys that were excited me a few years back. You know, that's pretty wild. Pretty wild. <laughs> um, Let's go to the Chicago Cubs. We'll start off the NL Central here, and um, they got a lot of their pieces here. Most of them aren't in the WBC. You might have a couple stragglers here and there, but are we kind of getting a basis on what's going on? Like, uh, I love seeing Trey Boo Boo getting some regular playing time. It sucks Christopher Morell is not, but that's a whole other conversation, I guess. So what are your takeaways from the Cubs? Well, I think the, that, that's the biggest one is the Morell thing because he was being drafted early. You know, the early draft season was that he was going to be a starter. Like every day, everyone plugged him into third base. And he's the only one that's been plugged into third base that hasn't actually started at third base this spring. Not a Crazy. single start there. But you have Madrigal, I think, with seven or eight starts there. Uh, Rio, Edwin Rios has like five or six. And then Patrick Wisdom, who dealt with some injury, he has like four or five. So it's been like those have been the main three getting all the reps there. I do think – Rios might be in trouble as much as I want to believe in him just because, you know, he's the 2020 favorite and everyone loves yeah. him. Uh, I, I still root for him, but um, still striking out almost 30% of the time. So is Patrick Wisdom, but Wisdom's having a strong spring regardless. Again, stats, these stats barely matter. We're talking 20 play appearances, 25 or some. But Morell, a lot of things I was watching with him wasn't just the utilization in terms of uh, where he's playing and all that, but it's also with him, the strikeout rate was. Uh, something I wanted to pay attention to just because we saw him start off so strong and then Morel went down when just kind of like his playing time was like sporadic and he would run hot here and there and the strikeouts were an issue last year and he's already he's still striking out 45.5 percent of the time this spring and this is against double a triple a pitching most of the time that's when it matters that's when I think it matters because you're talking about a guy in Morel who struggled with the same issues last year um, especially once he was figured out and he's already kind of going, is he pressing the spring trying to earn that starting spot? That's possible, but we've seen him play multiple positions. So I think at the very least, Morel's going to open the year playing three to four games a week anyway, um, multiple positions. If there's a, if there's an injury, Morel probably steps right in and he's still flashing the power and speed, a couple home runs, a stolen base this all this spring. So the, the, the tools that everyone was intrigued by are still very much there. It's the fact that, the playing time, I don't see a clear path to everyday at-bats given the current roster, and I don't see him exactly winning out a job like third base when he's been the only one not getting a start there this spring out of these four names that we mentioned. So, yeah, Morell's kind of a big takeaway in terms of, like, the possibly the biggest loser of these names. And then, like, Madrigal, who 
kind of is i'm not really interested in him but he's kind of like he's batting he's doing his kind of his thing 276 this spring couple stolen bases barely striking out like under 15 percent of the time like it's kind of doing magical things he's healthy he's learning a new position maybe they value his glove maybe he's defensively solid there i know and again they have patrick wisdom who we know can crush lefties and edwin rios who's a righty do they keep him there just for depth I don't know. But yeah, I do like that. Uh, Trey Boo Boo is batting middle of the order. Showing, he's showing some health this year in the spring. A couple home runs, 13 hits, and 29 played appearances. So yeah, he's batting almost 500 with a 1200 OPS. So yeah, I like seeing that because not that the stats matter, but the fact that he's uh, sh- just showing that he's healthy after and, you know, a little bit of a bounce back after that rough second half last year. Yep. Big fan of that. Morel going to pick 292 in uh, OC last week. Madrigal not drafted at all. So, Probably shouldn't be, honestly. No, he shouldn't be. So, like, <laughs> I, I love Morel. I have him in a lot of like DC, so I'm hoping he gets his shot eventually. We'll have to wait and see. Let's go to the Cincinnati Reds. You know, they got Joey Votto back this week. Jake Fraley and TJ Friedel have been or Friedel have been big talking points throughout spring uh in drafts. At least they picked up Will Myers. India is supposed to be back and healthy. But you know, I guess what I'm more curious about, you can hit on those guys if you want, but you know, Will Benson had a, is having a, a pretty good spring. Spencer Steers having a pretty good spring. Do you see any potential value on this Reds team? Because I know it's a bad team, but it's Great American Small Park. This is the new Coors Field, where when it comes to fantasy, we want these bats that are going to play regularly in Cincinnati. So Votto being back, the big takeaway there is just the fact that he's already playing the field. When I thought he was supposed to be eased into it, like he's supposed to be DHing more, and he's like, nope, he's playing for space day one <laughs> in spring training. So it shows that he might just be healthier than we anticipated. Plus, there was there was a whole bunch that he wasn't even supposed to be ready for the regular season. I, I'm surprised that he's he. I don't know. It's Joey Votto. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But ultimately, if a player is starting for this team, I am intrigued. Unfortunately, Benson is blocked, all things considered, because you have um Fraley. That's going to be factoring to the outfield. Um, you have Friedel. Well, actually, uh, Senzel is out of the picture now, though. But then you have Will Myers. That Will Myers hasn't needed a place to play because he goes from playing DH or first base to not really having first base all to himself to start the year. And then you have Stevenson, who's supposed to be factoring more into first base and DH himself because they want to catch him only like six, seven games or 70 games this year to keep him healthy and in the lineup. So I don't know how much leeway Benson gets, if at all. He might be the odd man out to start the year. Pinder was interesting until Votto returned because Pinder was getting a lot of run. He still kind of is, and he's moving around multiple positions. So Pinder could have some super util type of appeal. And if they want to platoon, Pinder has known, you know, we know Pinder can hit lefties pretty well. So Pinder could probably be a short side platoon with one of these outfielders like a Fraley or a Friedel. Uh, I'm just looking at this team right now. The uh, Spencer Steer is interesting. I, yeah, I do think well, he, I think he's going to get some decent run there at their base and playing every day, hitting that ballpark. And I, th- I forgot what podcast it was. I think it, um, somebody mentioned it though, about, I think it was a Mason maybe on sleeper in the bus. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts these days, so I shouldn't know this, but uh, I think it was him that mentioned the whole, like, it's almost like cores, but you get to go to the great American ballpark and not have to readapt to being on the road. Yep. So it's kind of a cool little added feature, uh, added bonus, so to speak. But um, ultimately, yeah, I mean, I, if, the t- if the players starting for this team, I really do like them. Like Fraley, Friedel, they, they're going for the right, they're going for the right price. India's Definitely. been showing great on base skills. I know he hasn't been really showing the power or anything yet this spring, but he has been showing just like like the fact that I think he had like three times as many walks as strikeouts at one point. It was stupid how much how many walks he had. Um, eight eight walks to three strikeouts. A three eighty five. Good to see. 
a 385 OBP and four doubles, four doubles out of his nine, out of his uh, five hits. So extra base hits and some of those doubles are probably home runs in his in his ballpark. So, but yeah, it's the it's the plate approach. The fact that he only three strikeouts in what 36, 36 plate appearances. So the play the, the play approach is there. It's a sound approach. The batting average hasn't been there, but it'll come around. It'll all come around. If he's seen the ball that well, I'm not too concerned. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, it's just one of those things like, you know, you're watching for the health of these guys, but yeah, those are the, I mean, is there anybody else here that stands out to you? Just, no, I'm just curious. Like Spencer Steer, as long as he looks like he is going to get the third base job, he's picking yeah. 360 right now. So that's a great, I think, late dart to, to, to have some fun with in drafts. And, you know, the TJ Friedel or Friedel versus uh, Fraley thing, both really good options. I like them both. You get uh, Friedel a little later than Fraley. So that, that that's fun. I just want to like, hit on those real quick. Yeah, if Steer isn't getting the job, it's going to be Chad Pinder. So I really do think it's Steer's job to lose for sure. Just because um, I'm looking at, like, there's no other real option there that they've shown. Yeah. They've had Alejo Lopez play third base. They've had Noel Levy Marte, which we know is not going to play third base to start the year anyway. He might be transitioning to third base. So long term, obviously, it's Marte, but he's not going to factor in to start the year. And Jason Vossler. You should be familiar with him, right? Yes, um, yes, he's been he's been playing he's been playing third base, but uh, those have been like that's his competition. That's why I feel like it's Steer's job, and it's not even close. I feel like Steer might just have a lot of leash too, especially if there's no other third baseman. Like if they were trying to get Barrero some third base yeah. reps, seeing if he can handle it, stuff like that, that would. But he, they're not even trying him there, so it's like it's very limited. Like I don't expect Pender to take much from him. That's why I think Steer, in terms of value, especially where he's going and all that, I think Steer is probably the guy that has a path to everyday play, playing time, playing in that ballpark, and no one seems to really care. All righty. Let's go to Milwaukee, where, uh, you know, at least the top part of the line is pretty much locked in. There's not a whole lot moving around there. Garrett Mitchell is fine. He's got his little hamstring injury, but he should be fine. Any major takeaways in Milwaukee? It seems like they're kind of set in stone for the most part, I guess, except I guess third base could be up in the air. So I don't know how to feel about this team just because of that. Like I've been a huge Bryce Terrain guy for all offseason. Me too. But the issue is, is where does he play? Because if the way Brian Anderson's hitting the ball right now, but Terrain's also hitting the ball well. So it's really frustrating. They're both on the 40 man though. So there's not like, well, he's not on the 40 man. That, so he's out. No, they're both on the 40 man. They brought in Anderson to be more of a utility util type. He's Anderson's played exclusively third base this spring, I believe, which is uh, I started there. I'm sure he's played the outfield via injury or whatever mid mid game, whatever. But as of right now, according to my sheet, he's only played third base as a start starting at third base, which pushes Terang to the bench because if he's starting at third base, if Anderson's at third base, that leaves um what's his face for shortstop uh, Adames, yeah, and then that leaves Luis Urias for second. Whereas Urias would have to play third for Trang to get second because Trang, even though Trang's a natural shortstop, I don't think they're moving Adamas off shortstop because no, Adamas is known for his shortstop. Yeah, yeah, Adamas is a good glove too. So and he's obviously there. What about player. what about this? Anderson's getting all this playing time. Isn't Luis Urias playing in the WBC right now? That's the other thing. So, yeah, but the, so he uh, so Luis Urias has been out, right? So that leaves third base wide open. But before that, Urias was playing exclusively second base too. Oh, Urias okay. has okay. five starts. Urias has five starts, and four of them came at second base, four in a row. And this well, that's, pump, it, that's interesting. And then, um, and then second base is open for the for the reps for Terang. You would think, okay, cool. So second base is open, right? Terang mm-hmm. is still starting exclusively at shortstop right now. 
with Adamas out. He's not even getting the reps at second base, which should be, in theory, the position that Trang would be taking over. So I'm speculating huh. here based on usage in spring. I'm still drafting Trang because he's he's a free agent. He's probably not even being drafted in 12s, and in 15s, he's a reserve round guy. But um, Trang is a guy that I suddenly don't see the clear path if this usage is any indication of what to expect. And Trang is earning. like He deserves a spot. I just don't know if they're going to give it to him off rip when they should. And because Anderson's showing out this spring and if they want to keep, maybe they want to keep Urias at second base. Maybe maybe they feel comfortable with Urias at the, defensively at second base. And they feel like Brian Anderson, because I think Trang is a, a solid glove, but I think he, yeah. he's obviously a natural shortstop. I don't know. I'm, I'm from torn here just because Anderson in right field makes the most sense, yeah. especially after they lost. What's his face? Uh, Tyrone Taylor, mm-hmm. but they've been playing. Sense, yeah. But but Owen Miller, this team always likes to move. They have they have guys like uh, Brousseau who they'll play around the infield. Owen Miller, who they're playing all over the place this spring. Owen Miller, who do they think they are? The Tampa Bay Rays? Like what are we doing? They're they're treating them like it. Owen Miller has played center field, second base, third base, first base the uh, this spring. Yes, and I think he played left field, or or maybe not. I don't think he has. But he they're they're they have him playing center field while um. What's his fate? Mitchell's out just to get reps out there too. So they seem to really be really high on Miller being able to move around and Anderson at third. But I just don't under, again, I'm just, I'm watching this one closely because I am very in, in on terrain. I still yeah. will be going, but I'm just really want to see how this falls out. If I don't, I don't see them all getting back together hmm. with enough lineups coming our way before this is where this is one of those lineups where wbc is really screwing us just because it's big time. there's a lot of a lot of big pieces that can move things around in that that team hey anderson and terang are the two names it's like and anderson people like i was a huge anderson guy for years just the marlins you know he couldn't stay healthy and it's the marlins but um anderson isn't a nobody if he can get some regular playing time he becomes very intriguing with this ballpark and this team in deeper yeah. formats, obviously. I'm not saying somebody you need to be having in 12s, but 15s, like you, you can slot him in. You know, Randerson can run hot. He's been he's been good in the past. And this ballpark playing time, you kind of yeah. want that in deeper formats. You definitely so do. You definitely Brian Anderson do. Plus, becomes interesting. Plus some road games in Cincinnati and stuff. That'd be pretty nice. Man. Yeah. Although they took away they took away the balance. I know the schedule the is still like he's gonna but still he's gonna, he's gonna few, play. So. He's gonna yeah. play in Cincinnati, yeah. Yeah, so but yeah, that's, it's just those things. Uh, figure it's worth paying attention to. <laughs> yeah, because I, I love Trang too. A lot of lot of DC and FPC fifty shares. He's a uh, pick yeah. three fifty eight in OCs. I remember in uh, Barf this past week against a fifteen team league. He was one of the last picks in the final round. So he's an in game pick, and I, I, there's a lot to like about him. So that's a very interesting situation going on there. And I, I, we need WBC to end for them. The rest of them yeah. we're, we're okay for the most part. WBC, so far. that's like the first. <laughs> that's the first big uh, big one we fit on. That that's really frustrating. Yeah. Um, and and I'm wondering next- if it's I'm wondering if it's really that big or if it's just me overthinking it. But it's just one of those things where I'm again I'm trying to get I'm trying not to, I'm trying to let the trends talk to me. And this yeah. is where I get frustrated because I the trends are saying one thing and I don't want to believe them. <laughs> I'm like in yeah. denial here. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. I just I feel I it's all good. frustrating. Uh, this team stinks. The Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, not a ton here unless you find something that stands out to you. Cheap resources for deeper formats. Uh, Kutch is going to bat third. Carlos Santana batting fourth. Those are two guys that should get full run. And there's play appearances and good batting order spots. It's almost like, you know, that's what you want to target in deeper formats. These guys have it. Brian Hayes likely batting fifth or sixth. I think that's worth mentioning just because uh, yeah. that takes away his appeal. Because last year he was like a top two in, in the lineup type of guy. 
up until injury and all that. So there's a chance that he's not batting top four or five. That's that, that is no, big. that's noteworthy for him, especially if the power doesn't quite come around as much as even he's showing it off this spring. Uh, Hayes becomes more of a compiler and he's not going to compile as much batting fifth or sixth in the lineup. Um, okay. Other than that, we're still, we're actually kind of watching where things go. Rodolfo Castro plugged in at second base. I tend to agree with that on here. He's, but it's one of those things where it's one of those spots that are up for, uh, for, for I guess the taking whoever plays second base here or whatever. And then Swinsky should play most days. So like, although it's kind of murky in the outfield there because you have Swaggerty, Connor, Joe. Um, there's another name too, not not just obviously Reynolds that's locked in and all that. There's a I forgot. There's a gonna bother me the other name too. I'm looking it up real quick because I, I got oh Cal Mitchell. That's the other one. Yeah. But then you have a uh, you have. Uh, Marcano, you have Smith and Jigba, I think it was, is how you say it. Um, yep. So you have all these guys that can factor in that have factored in in the past. So it's kind of, it's some of these guys are getting sent down right now, but these are, there are past the playing time still uncertain here. But uh, Swinsky is a guy, cheap power that you should watch out for. Hayes might have few, fewer play appearances than expected. And we mentioned Cutch and Santana, kind of it. Yeah. I wish they would give oh, Andy like- Rodriguez a shot. Yeah, the Andy Rodriguez one sucks. I know we were all aboard that train like in November, and that never yeah. happened. He, he just got sent back to AAA or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I do like the cutch value, though. That's one thing I have definitely been targeting in drafts. Uh, let's look at the St. Louis Cardinals and wrap up the NL Central here. And this is a team that's got a lot of players playing in the WBC right now, um, but they still have a lot of the regulars, too. So how are you assessing this situation? Because some guys are having some big springs, obviously. Jordan Walker, Brendan Donovan is making some statements. But a lot of guys are coming back, a lot of outfield to decipher. So what are you thinking so far? So the good thing about Brendan Donovan is that uh, I do think he's going to play every day anyway. Like He was already kind of slated to be the starting second baseman for this team. So I don't see that being an issue. I do think he's going to be batting towards the bottom of the lineup. However, he did make an actual change in approach. So his power production we're seeing in spring, there is something to that, which is worth mentioning. It's not on accident. And that's where, you know, listening to manager talk and seeing the production, seeing how players changing their approach, that type of stuff is what you watch for in spring. A guy, he's being, he's being more aggressive at the plate, more strikeouts than we saw last year, less walks. At least, again, very small sample, but it's a, it's a, it was part of a change. So he's, he's up there, maybe he's pressing a little bit. He's trying to take advantage of what he's good at, and that's hitting the ball, but he's trying to produce something. He's trying to sell out a little bit for power, which is great because now Brendan Donovan goes from being a guy who can hit the ball a ton, maybe a little more swing and miss to his game, but he's putting some of that power into the ball, making it more fantasy uh, relevant in the process. And Donovan can, you know, if he can hit, he has four home runs. If he can hit, he had five all last year, like 400-something play appearances in the majors. So if he can hit like double-digit home runs and still back close to 280, 270, that's, that's, that, that matters, especially because you, were, you weren't drafting him for anything. He was more of like a bench fodder for a dc like a month ago so he's intriguing the, the guy obviously the the storyline here is jordan walker and we know there's no denying he's having a huge spring but he's crushing minor league pitching as he should because he's a top prospect um he's obviously crushing everyone but it's the fact that you know most of these guys after a couple innings you're getting a lot of the you're getting a lot of the back uh, the backup guys or you're getting relievers starting games etc but he's not on the 40 man. I keep saying this because that matters. They need clear space for him. And not to mention they have other players. They have Dylan Carlson who maybe they want to see what they have in him, even though he hasn't been showing nothing this spring while, even though he's healthy. Now um, they still have Nolan Gorman on the 40 man, probably on the bench to start off the year. They have Alec Burleson. They have Juan Yepes. The Cardinals are not short of options. (laughs) 
And that's where it gets kind of tough because you have right now you have Lars Newbar, Tyler O'Neill, and Dylan Carlson. Although Carlson was supposed to be fighting for a job, I mentioned I just mentioned Gipez and Burleson that are both fighting for spots too. Both of them are on the forty man, and both of them can be can take over the outfield spot. They're still a DH spot, of course, and that's where Jordan Walker is currently plugged in on on on. Oh, don't mind me. I work something I work called Op IQ, so I almost called this that uh, <laughs> roster resource. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, that's why I'm like I'm looking at this and I'm like Jordan Walker. I I want to believe, but it's just he's not. Once he gets put on the forty man, there's at that point there you know all bets are off. The price is going to be through the roof. He's already getting drafted as if he's guaranteed, but he's one of those guys where it's like he deserves it, but it's also just spring. He also has a ton of you know he's only he's not even twenty one yet. There's a lot of ways for them to justify sending him down to start the year. And then all those top 100 picks aren't exactly worth it at that point anymore. But yeah, he's the only one. It's just a question of does he, do they break camp with him or not? I don't, I honestly don't know how to feel about this. I want a few shares, but the price is already, you're paying the premium already. I don't, how do you feel about Jordan Walker? I don't know how to yeah, feel. I'm, yeah. I'm guilty. I don't know. His ADP is 112 over the last week. I've been buying in over the last couple of weeks. I haven't bought him at that ADP yet, but that's, uh, that's I, mean, got him, yeah. I got him a few weeks ago when he was like around 150, 160, and I was loving it. And I'm concerned with you still. It's like, I feel like if he keeps hitting, it's impossible to keep him off. But I've been worried the whole time. Like they said, Carlson and O'Neill were fighting for a job in center field. I'm like if O'Neill's hitting, it's O'Neill's job. That's very simple. There's no way Carlson's yeah. keeping O'Neill out of the lineup. Uh, so then it means okay, Carlson moves over to the next side. Like it's just like because Newt Bar is going to play unless something crazy happens, and it's just so many, so many mouths to feed and only so many positions to fill it with. And that's but, where. It's but at tough. the same time, at the same time, we've had these players all underperform at one time or another. Yep. So Walker can easily force their hand too. So there is that. Yep. Walker should be up early. So if you don't mind stashing them in leagues where you don't have an A spot or like that, like then yeah, you're going to pay the premium and you're probably going to get them before May. So you just know that like if you're going to the year, there's a good chance he's up. If, if not by May, early May, I I don't think he's a late call up by any means. So know that Walker is probably worth the price just based on that alone, but there is a chance. It might not be a big chance, but there is still a chance that he doesn't break camp with this team. And you have to understand that and have a backup, just have a backup plan in place in case it happens. It shouldn't happen. He's deserving of it. He's playing through injury at that. Like he's fine. Like a shoulder strain, two days. Yep. Guys, a guys a monster. But uh, yeah, I just, I just want you just know you need a pl- you should have a backup plan ready in case you have to stash them. Just, but I think it's a short term stash, which ultimately makes them. If, if you tell me if you're telling me I'm getting five months of Jordan Walker, I'm probably still paying close to a top 100 pick for him. Yeah, he's a, he's a beast. He's worth it if he's going to be up that soon. So. I don't see how he wouldn't be. They're going to have to find a way to do it. Paul DeYoung sucks. Um, there's got to be And DeYoung moving. is hurt. <laughs> yeah, there's going to have to be some moving parts somewhere that they can make it work. Nolan Gorman continues to disappoint. I know they don't want to give up on him yet, but it's like I think Dylan Carlson's about to be the odd man out here pretty soon. That, that's yeah. what it feels like. He's had plenty of time to get it done. They've tried to trade him. No one would take him. It's like this is. it's almost time to say, see you, buddy. This is what's about to happen here, and it'll be the Jordan Walker show. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. Let's head to the desert, NL West. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they're getting a little more fun. They'll be even more fun another year or two with all the prospects they got coming up. But, uh, you know, Corbin Carroll, he's the guy everyone wants. You got Jake McCarthy, who I keep telling people in the middle of the lineup, is he as good as he could be? Still could be. You never know. Um, You know, Lourdes Gurriel is making his his statement there. Everybody wants Gabriel Moreno to play. How do you see some of these big names uh, panning out with what you've seen so far? Fads come and go. 
and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So McCarthy has, has, he's had my eye since the beginning of off season, just because I do think he gets a shot to hit at the top of the order. I just don't know how long the leash is because they went out and got guys like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Who's having himself a solid spring. And if you take away three spot, say you give it to Gurriel, which it probably will be McCarthy if they want to keep a lefty up there for sure. But, um, it's, uh, but they have Carroll likely Marte switch hitting at uh, the two spot. And then you have, McCarthy or Gurriel, and then you have Christian Walker. So I think McCarthy or Gurriel is probably going to be batting fifth. And then Rojas, the team, what I'm getting at is the team oddly is deeper than most people, like definitely yeah. deeper than last year, and actually has decent talent. So it's not like McCarthy suddenly guaranteed that top three spot. We're, we're banking on McCarthy as a three spot hitter based on a really good half a season of baseball. Like we've seen that fail so many times and that's what, that's where I'm apprehensive. I know the team likes them. They went out, they went out of their way to trade bar show for him. Alec Thomas is another guy that's going to get clear run here. So Alec Thomas becomes a value. He's probably batting towards the bottom of the lineup, but he should play most days. The defense matters. However, McCarthy this spring, it's one of those, like he's walking where they striking out. Great. He has a 486 OPS. How much does that really matter in just 33, 33 play appearances? We know power is not the biggest strength. He has two stone bases, so he's still running the spring. Great. I'm just one of those things where it's like, well, Guriel is really hitting the, the cover off the ball this spring. Does that matter? Does that make them flip-flop in the lineup? Do they put Guriel third in the lineup now? They can't, they can afford to. They can go lefty, switch hitter, righty, righty. It's not a big deal to go righty, righty, you know, between Guriel and McCarthy. 
uh, not McCarthy, uh, Walker. So it's just one of the things where I'm like, does McCarthy take a little bit of a hit or does he start in the three spot? Does he have a short leash? Um, you're drafting him for steals. The power, he has five hits and they're all singles this, this spring. So like the power isn't a strength necessarily, but it hasn't even been there even a little bit yet. But again, small sample of a time that really doesn't matter. Ultimately, what I'm getting at is that I'm scared of McCarthy, and I don't know if I haven't paid the premium once. I'm afraid of being wrong. I really yeah, am. I haven't touched him, but I'm afraid. Like, I think there's an easy chance I'm wrong here for sure. It's just one of those things where I don't like betting on a strong half of baseball and a team that made a point to go out and get depth and attack this with depth and have other options to plug him ahead of the lineup. And if McCarthy starts losing plate appearances, then that takes away some of his appeal too, because again, you're drafting for batting average and speed with a little bit of power, but less play appearances. He doesn't necessarily need to compile for the speed and batting average, but he needs to compile for the home runs. Yeah. At least in my you. opinion. So, so I, I've been out on that cost, even though I am deathly afraid of missing out, but then you have like Corbin Carroll, like <laughs> give me that. Yeah, he does that for sure. Uh, what, what's the outlook look like at catchers? Cause I know Carson <laughs> Kelly, I've been saying forever, like the defense they love, like they want him to catch gave him Moreno's hitting the baseball. They traded for him for a reason. Uh, how do you see that playing out? Because uh, like Kelly's almost free in two catcher leagues where Moreno, you still got to pay for They're both hitting well in spring too. So they're both like, no one's like really standing out. Like in terms of like, Who's the better? I mean, Moreno's hitting a little better. And the thing is, is the, the, you know, we know what to expect from Kelly. Kelly is at least going to get lefties. We know he crushes lefties. They both are righty bats, though, if memory serves about Moreno. I'm not sure if Moreno's a switch or not. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he's just a righty, but um, he's known for his hit tool. So I, I feel like if Moreno's up, I don't think they keep him up if they, he's just a righty. I just wanted to double check if Moreno is a switch or not. Uh, he's just a righty. But anyway. Uh, I don't think they keep Moreno up if they don't expect him to be the starter. And when I say starter, it's more of like a maybe this is more of one of those closer to 100, 100 starts versus 60 starts type of year for these guys. They let Moreno ease in. They can DH Moreno. But I don't think there's I don't think it's going to be one of those Moreno's going to suddenly get 120, 130 starts. And that kind of puts a damper on things as much as I want to believe in Moreno. You mentioned it. They seem to really like Kelly and they know, and you know, Kelly's going to get lefties most likely just because in the past he's crushed them. And I don't see why they wouldn't give him lefties and not to mention other way. If, if he's running hot, do they let him take over the starting spot from Moreno? Do they just let Moreno figure it out? I do think Moreno is going to be a starter though. So if I had to put a number on it, I'd say that 110 ish games range, like kind of what we were talking about earlier. I forgot which catcher with like Sean Murphy. Like, I don't think he's going to get that Sean Murphy treatment, but I do think he's going to get the majority side of a catching duo if he is going to be the starter type of thing. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with him. I do, I do project Marino to be the starter, but I, it's not as clear cut as I would like it to be just because I think they do value Kelly and his defensive prowess and the fact that he can hit lefties well. But, yeah, Moreno could definitely get some DH time too, possibly. Like, I could see uh, both guys. It, it, it could be like a M, uh, William Contreras, Dyer Node last year. They almost both like 110 games when all yeah. things were said and done. Something like that, where you get the bat you want out there, but you get the defensive catcher you want out there and uh, and find ways to make that work. Let's talk Rockies because we have to. Um, they're the most frustrating team in all of baseball. They continue to be the most frustrating team in all of baseball. Brendan Rodgers goes down. We get all excited because, you know, certain players are going to get a chance and they go inside Mike Moustakis. So that's not cool. Um, how do you assess the big issues on this team? Because, you know, Crone's Crone, McMahon, Bryant, those guys are going to do their thing. 
But how are we looking at maybe some later round options in Colorado? Um, just look the other way at this point. I don't, I don't know because they, they all they also lost Sean. They lost Sean Bouchard. Uh, you yeah. have um, great to start the season. I know he's coming back soon, but yeah, he might not be ready for the season. I don't think he's gonna be ready for the start yeah. of the year. So there's that. Um, but Bouchard was a guy that was like kind of sneaky, like DH, and had the tools, but nobody was really talking about him. So at this point, like, does Nolan Jones sneak in there? But they've been playing Cole Tucker a lot and Taglia, and Taglia is doing decent this spring, still striking out a whole lot. But so is Nolan Jones isn't separating himself like we had hoped. Because I know you and I were both big Nolan Jones guys, and he's not exactly earning his way onto the team. So that outfield spot is really just seems like it's up for grabs right now. And I'm thinking Toglia might get first crack at it. And Toglia was also on the team last year getting starts at it. But Toglia has been playing first base, right field. Um, Mustakas, they said, oh, yeah, he'll factor into second base. He's played third and first out of his four starts. He's only played those two positions. Hasn't even touched second base. So McMahon looks like he might be getting eligibility, which is a big deal. You know, second base eligibility. Yeah, that's Got, what he had in years past, which made him so great. Yeah. Second base, third base, two of the tougher yeah. positions to fill where he's going in drafts. And now he's he might get both. But Mustakas has appeal. I mean, playing half his game in cores and he should gain third base or for one of the he's gaining somewhere eligibility in all this too so Mustakas has appeal and he's going to start for this team they've already pretty much this isn't like a trial run i think they're actually they brought him in with the idea of starting which screws over montero because montero i thought like all right at least montero will get run at third base That's nope <laughs> montero might get the strongest of uh, the weak side of a platoon with Mustakas at third base being the righty to Mustakas is lefty but um that was like, like that's why I'm like I don't really know who's gonna gain from here. Brenton Doyle is a name to kind of know, kind of not know. Like again, Cole Tucker's getting a bunch of run right now. I don't even think I, I don't really have a good feel. I think Toglia is like just a kind of a sneaky name is just just because he's getting the run, but he's also getting moved around all around as needed. Uh, and we also saw what's his face, uh, Chris Bryant. He's back in the lineup today as a DH, but he's dealing with something. Blackman's dealing with something. Yeah. yeah, Blackman's dealing with something too. So I, I don't know. I think it's going to be, uh, I think your best bet is just, I think Montero will sneak in more than we might expect at first. Um, and hopefully Nolan Jones can correct things and earn a spot because those are the two names I'm most intrigued by. But Toglia is just another name that I see getting some looks at various spots this spring and can play the outfield as well. Yeah, Togley has a guy I remember picking up and uh, off and on in Fab last year. It's funny with the Mustakis thing. I was like, just watching Platoon with Kron. That'd be just typical stuff. And you say he's already playing first base, so that's intriguing. Uh, one other guy, just because he's playing a ton, and it might just be fool's gold because they're moving things around, like you said. What about Harold Castro? Uh, he's he's an NRI, so he's not on the forty man. But that is a name to think about because he can easily be put on the forty man. It's not like they have. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, they probably still haven't even put what's his face on the sixty day IL. So once they put him on the sixty day, yeah. opens up a spot off the forty man. But Castro's another guy. Yeah, you mentioned it. it's a good call out because left field, second base, shortstop, first base, center field. <laughs> he, that, that those are the five. He's played five positions this spring: left field, yeah. shortstop, second, center, le- yeah, first, short. Well, I think there's more. I think six. Whatever. I'm losing track. Yeah, he's played. My point. My point is, though, is he's played everywhere, and uh, he's just he's not on the forty man. So I, I tend to have this bias towards looking for forty man. Yeah, it's a good bias for, to have. Forgetting more often, than, more often than not, it's going to be right. Yeah, but he he is Harold Castro is. I mean, technically, even what's his face Moose isn't on the forty man yet either. So if they already plan on having Moose on the forty man, they have to make that happen before they even make that Castro yeah, signing. That'd but, be the Brennan Rogers move. So, yeah. yeah, so Castro uh, has a thousand OPS right now this spring. Yeah, so he's hitting, great. He's hitting, he's hitting great. the ball. 
Of course he yeah. is. He's hitting minor league pitching. But yeah, it's uh True. Castro isn't he is a name good name drop. See, I'm supposed to know this stuff. Look at you. You got me on that one. Yeah, Castro. Harold Castro. Right. God, I can't believe that's what, what we're doing. We're talking about Harold yep. Castro this year. What the heck? Yeah. Stop talking about the Rockies. Let's go talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers, who for the most part, especially the top part of the lineup, is pretty much set in stone. You got Miguel Vargas at the bottom. Everyone's happy about it. he's starting to swing a bat, which is great. <laughs> but then you got like some outfield questions. Um is shortstop still Miguel Rojas's job? Because at one point Chris Taylor was going to take it. Um, how do you see some of these names playing out? Like between the outfits, we all want like James Outman, but he looks like he'll start the year on the minors because they want Trace Thompson to get a shot. And there's just a lot of weird moving parts right now. You mentioned it, moving parts. I think this team's going to try to get away get get away with having multiple players that they can move around too. You have Chris Taylor who is playing shortstop in spring. That's happening. He's also playing third base in spring. He's also playing left field. <laughs> He's also playing, I think, second at one point. No, I don't think actually he hasn't played. Of course he hasn't played second. That would make too much sense. You have, you have you, you even have J.D. Martinez getting left field reps in spring. So this team is just seeing what they have all around. And if J.D. Martinez plays the outfield, that's really going to throw things off. But Chris Taylor's going to play plenty. He's going to be that super util type. He's going to play as needed around the lineup. I do think it's Rojas' spot most days. But Rojas is, you know, he's coming off an injury. This team's going to want to keep it, keep him healthy. He is a glove first defense uh, at shortstop, which might, might matter. So I do think we get him at shortstop. We get Rojas at shortstop most days. Chris Taylor kind of bounce around as needed. We'll play plenty. Michael Bush, he was just sent down. But now if uh, Freeman's forced to miss time, Bush was playing a lot of first base. Maybe he can come up and be sneaky for a first base fill in at the start of the year. But this outfield's a mess. Um, Chris Thompson has no options left. They've already said that Hayward is making the team to start the year. Doesn't mean he's starting, but he is making a team to start the year, according to the manager. And his sub 200 batting average and 723 OPS this spring is really deserving of it. Um, that's a guy where I feel like spring training should matter because why the hell is he stopping a James Outman who's having a really strong spring, a 1200 OPS and two home runs and just doing it all, multi, like four multi, uh, extra base hits out of his nine and. He's kind of just doing everything and really deserves a look. And he's not likely he should. He's probably not going to get one, which he should. But I don't know what they're. And then they have David Peralta, who's going to definitely start. And he's a lefty. Um, Trace Thompson, which I think Trace Thompson. The thing is, is Trace Thompson's 32 years old. And last year, Thompson was a platoon partner for for a good part of the year, if not most of it. And he's a righty. So why wouldn't they just let him be the weak side platoon? Are they really, they're really that set on having Jason Hayward up that they're going to, it's going to stop them from part that makes no sense to me at all. Like what the heck are we doing here? Dodgers? Like, really, what are we doing? James Altman is a lefty. He he does have those two options left. That that is part of the issue, but he's on the 40 man too. So I don't, and he's playing well this spring. You're going to stop the momentum of a young guy who could be a fixture for this outfield for a few years for guys like Peralta. Who's 30. They have, this is the oldest I've ever seen the Dodgers, man. Yep. 30, this, is, 30, this is not the Dodgers team of recent years. This is a different team right now. Miguel Vargas is 23 years old. He's the only projected starter under the age of 30 on this team. Oh, sorry. No, Will Smith is 28. I almost I was almost right. It's still <laughs> crazy if you think about it. <laughs> for them, for the Dodgers, yeah, they usually don't have like their average player is like 32. I think if you do the math, it's like 32 years old for their average starter right now. That doesn't help, you know, the fact that Lux is out for the year. But yeah, that's why I'm like. Why are we starting Trace? I just don't understand why Trace Thompson's getting. I guess maybe because of the lack of a of an option. But uh, Jason Hayward should not be stopping Outman. It should be, in my opinion, Outman should be starting in the outfield with Trace Thompson platooning with him. Yep, but that makes sense. 
it's I don't know. And Altman's been playing center field, so it's not like he can't do it. He's been playing center field all like last at least the last three two out of the three out of the last four starts. He's he started in center field. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still think that there's an outside. There's still a chance he starts. I don't know if we should count him out so fast. I, I'll take the discount on Altman though for sure. Yep, I'm still taking Altman if you're doing DCs or something. Take some Altman. Like he's gonna get his chance eventually, and I don't know if he gives it back. So that's that's my two cents on that one. San Diego Padres, a lot of players in the WBC. From <laughs> the San whole Diego. roster. <laughs> so this one's a real tough one to gauge. I even saw your your tweet today about like Cronenworth playing second, Carpenter playing first, and I think we all know that Cronenworth's going to be playing first when this is all said and done, most likely. So like, really, what are we taking away here? Because I can't take much away at all. Besides, maybe the catching potential is like Luis Campusano, who we both like. Is he going to finally get a shot, or is this literally like? Just throw your hands up and go, hey, WBC has 13. <laughs> so I'm trying to see like hand take away from this lineup. Um, I do think it should be Cronworth's spot because uh, there's no reason why Kim doesn't go back to second base. We know Kim could play good defense and he's hitting he's hitting well this spring too. If memory serves, at least I heard someone mention he's hitting well in WBC. I haven't really looked him up to be honest. But the fact that Matt Carpenter has played first base like I think I think you were talking. I think you referred to you said a tweet, but I haven't tweeted this out because I'm like I don't want to sound like an idiot. But I was interested in the fact that Matt Carpenter. I think he's almost he's exclusively played first base. Uh, Carpenter first base, first base. Maybe I read one your GH spot. Maybe I read your notes. Maybe it was my notes because out of all his starts, he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. fantasy. Yeah, he has ten starts this spring. Carpenter does. Eight of them have yeah. been first base. The other two have been DH. So if they are planning on DHing, if they are planning on DHing Nelson Cruz full time, which we were seeing Cruz and him coexist against righties, so it's not guaranteed. Because the whole idea was maybe Carpenter and Cruz platoon DH, right? Like that made the most sense. Cruz being the righty, Carpenter, we know he's going to sit against righties. Uh, or sorry, we know he's going to sit against lefties. So it made sense to have Cruz against lefties as the right-handed bat, Carpenter against righties as the left-handed bat, et cetera. But we never had that. We never had to see that come to fruition. And we saw multiple lineups, two to be at least two to be exact. No, three, at least three lineups where we saw those three, those two together in them, Carpenter and Cruz, and Cruz DH and Carpenter hit fifth, bad, uh, playing first base. They were missing Tatis in, in a couple of those lineups, but – they it was just one of those things where it caught my attention and then even with everybody gone carpenter isn't touching the outfield where we thought maybe right field while tatis was rehabbing would have been a good spot for carpenter because he's played the outfield all that but carpenter also played first base you know for the cardinals so i'm over here thinking maybe then that would put the squeeze on kim right because then kim becomes the weak side platoon guy which we've seen kim be the weak side platoon guy before for this team we've seen him be the weak side platoon guy in the in the infield as needed i don't think that's going to be the case but we can't rule that out because we haven't seen it. So yes, this is where it's frustrating because all we are seeing is Carpenter play first base, which would tell me that either a he, they're getting them reps there, or b that's where they see him playing when he's not DHing. And if they are going to DH Nelson Cruz full time, they got to put Carpenter somewhere. And right field makes the most sense, but it might not be in the cards. So that makes me think: Does Kim play right field? Maybe, and that kind of just negates everything. Is Kim can? I think Kim can play the outfield. We just never yeah, see him play the Kim outfield. Can play all over base. He played. He's only played the infield since he's been with the Padres, I feel like, though. Like, at least last year. I remember last year yeah, being the big yeah, thing. He hasn't, where he hasn't it played was, much outfield with him. It was Profar playing the outfield, and he was playing the yeah. infield as needed all last year. So that's why I'm, like, I'm over here looking like – I mean, it could be as simple as that, but they are – it's Carpenter at first base this whole spring, and I don't 
know if that's the plan or if that's just where they want to get him reps, but why wouldn't they want to get him in the outfield where he's where he'd be a bigger liability anyway? So I'll say that's where much. it's like if he's gonna if he's gonna be playing regularly at first base, he's much more attractive to me in fantasy now. Because yeah, now he'll get a, 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 a what's it called a position eligibility there. Which well, that I mean, because I just that and I just didn't think he'd play very much. Like I thought he'd be more of a platoony kind of here and there kind of guy. So that's interesting to me. And that's why I'm wondering if is he just the platoon guy? Did they go out of their way to get two DH types to not DH one of them? Because why would you want you wouldn't want to waste a roster spot on a Matt Carpenter if he's only going to be your part time DH off your bench? You would want to get him playing the field because you can't have two Nelson Cruises on your team. You know yeah. he's a sunk he would be a sunk cost at this point. So I think they have a plan for Carpenter, especially on the strong side of a platoon, but. Where DH, then are they going to say, are they really going to sit Nelson Cruz against righties, or are they going to make a point to get Carpenter in there, move Kim around and move Cronenworth around? But Cronenworth has the same split issues that Carpenter does, so they're not going to sit Cronenworth against righties. And but they have, but they have sat Kim against righties in the past, and I don't want to say that's happening yet because Kim's glove should probably get him in there. It's just one of those things where something's got to give, and I don't know what's going to give. <laughs> <laughs> so That's yeah so this, this is one of those things this is one of those things where it's like and going back to your um Campisano, he's dealing with a minor injury but i think it's i feel, I feel like it's similar with the moreno nola thing but yeah. except for nola isn't as good of a defender last year we saw him take a step backwards as a defender yeah and Campisano's um, the better catcher overall yes so i think he's the, i think he'll get the starting spot with nola giving him the days off and all that that's awesome. my that's my that's why i'm taking it because they never went out and got another catcher yep that was big when they let Alfaro go. That was that was big. Um, before we go to the Giants, because we have to, uh, I just got a note on Twitter: Edwin Diaz was helped off the field tonight, and he could not put pressure on his leg. So, oh, um, oh no, 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 no! Something to monitor. Uh, obviously, hopefully, like the no pressure on leg thing kind of got my attention. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But like Adam Adovino, David Robertson's there. David Robertson uh, comes to mind instantly. They went yeah. out and got him. So just something to keep your eye on. I just wanted to bring that up real quick for anybody that will oh. be listening to the show. That's a, that's a that's a that's a kick to the nuts, folks. That's a second round pick for a lot of people. That's big, big boy stuff right there. So yeah. Whew. All right, let's talk San Francisco that's, Giants that's, because that's we have to. And um, yeah, this is a bad baseball team, a bad fantasy team because there's so many moving parts. Like Thyro's awesome, of course, because I love him. Um, there's a couple other. Pieces, oh, he got hurt celebrating. Edwin, yeah, because I thought they they won their game, so that's why that's I was even surprised. worse. I was because I was watching the game, and then it went to the U.S. game. I'm like, I didn't see him get hurt, and then I just got the uh, the notification. Yeah, he was celebrating, moving on to the next round. So yeah, that's wild to get hurt celebrating. God, yeah, please. not good. That's a Mets thing. They're not used to celebrating, so it happens. Um, <laughs> they are used what, to injury. Yeah, they are used to that. Uh, <laughs> usually in the elbow, though. Uh, what are yeah. you thinking with the Giants here? Because ton of its platoons outside of maybe Thyro, who I think he's more of like he'll play all over, but he's going to play a lot. You know, you got Conforto. When Hanniger's healthy, he'll play. He's already kind of banged up. It's not supposed to be serious. Yastrzemski's going to play. So the outfield's kind of intact in a roundabout way. But how are you seeing this? I know you've been tweeting about some different guys that might get some chances due to injuries with Crawford. Some guys getting sent to AAA. These guys might not be fantasy relevant for draft day, but maybe something to keep an eye on. That's kind of where I'm at with this team. Like you mentioned all the major players. Now, Estrada might gain eligibility because he's been playing shortstop, especially with Crawford out right now. So that might put a damper on my guy that I really like in uh, Brett Weisley, just because Weisley has, he played multiple positions in the minors. He has a, you know, he's a raised prospect that they 
went out of their way to you know get and be a trade this year. So he was a guy that just has my attention coming from the Rays. You know, the Rays, it's not a lack of talent from the Rays, it's a lack of you know having places for these guys to play. So he's a guy that just real life-wise kind of can make himself useful via the glove and which will lead to some which could lead to some playing time for fantasy purposes which is what we're targeting here and wisely had flash some power and speed in the minors as well so he's the guy that i've been like very intrigued by just because the opportunity is starting to present itself given the uh ongoing health issues because apparently the giants just i can't name i can barely name a starter i mean you might get uh, some more uh flores one more flores yeah. playing second base in the process so i don't think wisely is necessarily a starter right away but 15 home runs 32 uh, stolen bases last year for wisely across two levels solid plate discipline as a whole and again the lack of actual depth that's why he's a guy i'm watching for because if uh flores proves ineffective for some reason or gets injured which we've seen everyone get injured for this team at this point um this just continues to open up more potential playing time for wisely who i think can be fantasy relevant um strata gaining eligibility is a big deal i think that's yep. worth mentioning because uh was he have it's uh shortstop he could gain second or vice versa right it's he, he has second he'll be gaining shortstop and that he might one. even gain outfield at some point too so <laughs> he's gonna play actually, every day, actually he's, he's, he's already got second base and shortstop he's already does got he have both i thought i didn't yeah. realize he had both already i you know what yeah, last year he because he, he jumped around last year because of injury yeah. too yeah that's why i wasn't worried <laughs> people said he might not play enough more. no they're gonna play him everywhere they want to play yeah. him everywhere like, he's going to play so i was never the name about that the name to watch is blake sable that's yes, kind of a good one this guy Love this Dude, guy. He's rule he, five. Rule five. So he's already guaranteed a spot on the roster, or has to be. Um, but he could play outfield. He could play catcher. He he's done both this spring. Yep. And he's having a strong spring to boot as well. So there's a. He's got a little bit of everything going for him right now, and I think Sable's a guy that almost like um, what's his face? Oh man, for the for, he's now he's there for the he's for the Mariners now. Um, Hummel. Hummel. Yeah. It's a very similar idea of like you can get this guy at the very end of drafts. Like right now, again, unless you're doing DCs, he's he's irrelevant. But yeah, he's been, he's been my third or even fourth catcher in DCs. Like I've been grabbing him super late. He's a guy that people just need to know about. Um, just and there's a good chance not only that obviously the rule five pick aspect of things, but the fact that he could play outfield and catcher that's going to carry him onto the roster and he's going to have a role, a semi regular role at that, just for the fact that he's gonna have to spell uh, what's his face, uh, Bart, Joey Bart's anyway. not good. Um, Conforto <laughs> and Haniger will be hurt at some point in time, like there's gonna be already are for, for Sable to yes, uh, oh, to get his chances. And- and JD Davis, obviously VR's another injury infield. VR's dealing with yeah. a minor hip flexor strain, which is expected to be minor. But Davis was he's been playing first base all spring, so he's not even getting the third base reps. The third base yeah, reps are weird. going to got Casey Schmidt's getting them, which he's a glove first. He's been playing specs. good. He's but been playing good too. I looked into him a little more because I was like, why don't I know the name? Because he wasn't he's not on the 40 man. He was the guy, he was one of those guys that weren't on the 40 man, and he's only has like I think it was like a 200 plate appearances in the upper minors. Not yeah, saying that that's not enough. Very, very young, but he's a but he's a glove first prospect, and he's playing so well right now in spring yeah. that the name should be somebody you know. But I don't I don't think he necessarily breaks camp. But one more injury, and they might just be forced to put him on the forty. Pretty man. much, but it's yeah, that he's, bad right now. He's the only other guy getting a whole lot of looks at their base. But they have again it goes back to they have Wilmer Flo- Wilmer Flores who's played a couple games at their base recently. They have um they have uh, I played third too. He played a little that, bit of third last year. Yeah, they had yep. And Isan Diaz would have been another option for second base, but he got sent down. But part of that's because he just got I think he got pulled from a game due to injury. So I think that was just bad timing for him because he was pushing for a roster spot and he's been looking good in the minors 
it could be part of where he plays being a little older for this for the setting but all things considered i think uh Isan Diaz could be a guy just to keep an eye on too. So I'll just keep an eye on here type of things. Yeah. But um, Weissley just goes back to Weissley because if they're going to play Wilmer Flores at third base with VR out, that leaves Weissley available to play the middle infield if they value his uh, his glove. And he has 19 OPS this spring too. So it's not like he's not been producing nothing flat, not flat, not the flashiest all around skill set, but fantasy relevant for sure. Anyway. Um, that's yeah, with all, with all with all these injuries, <laughs> that's why I've moved Wilmer Flores up my rankings a little bit. Still not super mm-hmm. high, but he's much more relevant now with all these injuries that have taken place. Before we start the AL East, uh, another update on Edwin Diaz. He got uh, he couldn't put weight on his foot, got put in a wheelchair, and his teammate started crying. So not good. Not good at all. Just keep that in mind. Um, the AL East, let's go to the Baltimore Orioles. They were a fun team last year getting things done. Adley Rushman, Gunnar Henderson. Um, interesting club. Like I like Kyle Stowers a lot. That's a, a power bat. It's interesting. Anything standing out for you? Like, is Jorge Mateo actually going to play? Um, what, what are we looking at here when it comes to uh, the Orioles? Okay. So, the Orioles. Um, Henderson's strikeout issues right now, I'm just have my attention, not because I'm really actually all that concerned, even in the slightest in the long term, but it's one of those things that maybe if he has a rough end of the spring, does it linger into the regular season? He has a couple of options left. I don't expect them to honestly send him down at all, but Henderson having the options left, he's striking out like a th- almost a 35% clip. I think it was. And then he has like a sub 100. He's not hitting the ball. Well, he's not seeing it. Well, he's pressing at the plate. According to coaches, it could be nothing. It probably is nothing. I'm not saying it seems something you should be overly worried about, but it is something I feel like should be at least, Hey, let's make a note of the strikeout issues or potential for strikeout issues. Cause if he was off to a slow start, if you're in a trade league, maybe you buy low because maybe you saw it coming and you didn't buy the price. And then, you know, you know, however, how reactionary baseball is one slow month and he's next, you know, he's a bust. So, um, but he's a guy that is already kind of in that weird range for third base that maybe you put Bregman ahead of him now. You know, if you maybe felt there was a kind of like you need a tiebreaker, maybe hedge your bets with the upside and go for the known product between the two type of thing. That's where I would think maybe you would that would affect your decision making. Otherwise, the um, I do think Henderson. That's another thing though. Henderson, where the hell is he going to play? Um, yeah. I don't know because they keep putting him between both third base and shortstop, and maybe that's just what it is. Maybe he'll just alter, he'll just play both. They have options. They have Ramon Urias that can play third base, play second base. Um, Urias has played a lot of third base this spring. But they also have um, – they went out and signed what's-his-face for a second. Adam Frazier, who I'm surprised they went out and signed because Adam Frazier isn't that good anymore, I feel like. And uh, I don't know why they're making a point to get him in the starting lineup, but they are. And I think Urias is better and more deserving. But with that being said, my personal bias, my personal opinion – take that part out of it he's gonna play it is what it is mateo's glove is so was so good last year if you look at like i'm not like i started getting more into defensive metrics because of this stuff i wanted to make sure i understood why decisions were being made based on other things besides hitting so i made a point to learn defensive metrics better and mateo's were ridiculous the dude was like elite i think like, it was stupid how good he was at shortstop last year so are they really going to take his glove out of there the dude hasn't been able to hit well outside of a little bit of a run middle of last year and uh yeah, my son just walked in. What's up, buddy? It's all good. Sorry about that. Yeah, my son is making an appearance. He's just saying good night. He's at a cute age. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah, he's sick. He's my youngest. 
I'm getting old. Oh, anyway, oh, nice. back to baseball. I don't know. And now I, I want to go. I wish I could go tuck him in. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a big softy at the end of the day. But yeah, looking back at this team, it's um yeah, it's just one of those things where Mateo's glove, if it's good enough to keep him in the lineup, I think it will be most days. But he's still what a one category guy. He's gonna be, Mateo's yeah, gonna bat eighth, ninth. He'll still bases. Um, I don't like the cost. I, I have zero shares and I had zero interest. Like he's one of those guys where I was all in last year because he's going around yep. pick three hundred this year. And I even I even dropped him in leagues before he got hot, so I even missed out on some of the goodness last year in in fab leagues because in a twelve team where he was hard to justify for like for a long period, and then next thing you know he was like must have, and I'm like whoops, well that didn't age very well, but he was yeah, he's just bad. He's a guy he'll it's run hot and cold. Yep. But uh, yeah, so he's the only guy. I'm like I'm not sure what the thing. I know I'm out. I could say that much, but in terms of playing time, it's kind of weird because you know Henderson's gonna play. Um, yeah. And Ur- Urias becomes interesting in deeper formats just because I think he'll play enough to have relevance. And then one injury, and he's like the guy in the, in the infield between third base or second. So, yeah, I like him. I like I like Urias a lot. Cost and Stowers. I I'm intrigued by Stowers. I, I like yeah. the fact that he's a lefty because if they do want to platoon, they can platoon. He'd be the strong side. But um, I don't really know what's gonna happen in the outfield. You have Mullins, you have Santander, and you have Hayes, and Hayes. Hayes is weird, you know, because we've seen Hayes. It's usually the defense with Hayes that keeps him in there. Yeah. But uh, Stowers can DH, and they, it looks like he's – I don't see why wouldn't him and Ramon Urias can kind of platoon at DH, Stowers being the lefty. So that's where I'm kind and of at. Power. And yeah, Stowers is interesting, man. I, I think there's so much intrigue there, uh, the power potential yeah. there too. He, he flashes it too, so it's, it's I like Stowers though. I've been taking him late. He's 355 in the OCs of late. DCs, you can get him late. Uh, he's on a lot of my rosters. So uh, I like that potential power that late in drafts. Hard to find. Hard to find. Uh, let's go to the Boston Red Sox, where some of their big pieces are uh, at the WBC. We got Tristan Casas having a big year. Even Bobby Dahlbeck's hitting the baseball and playing shortstop, which is fun. <laughs> um, you know, Enrique Hernandez is in the WBC. Uh, Devers is in the WBC. He's coming home pretty soon, though, because they lost. Um, yep. What are we seeing here with Boston? Like Duvall still playing center field regularly, which is nuts to me. Um, this is a weird team, to say the least. Um, yeah, so Dal- Dahlbeck is uh, he's doing his thing. A thousand OPS, a little over a thousand, batting three twenty three. If you can ignore the fact that he's striking out thirty four percent of the time, you're in heaven. Um, <laughs> that's like and an that's improvement of like ten percent almost. That's the thing about Dahlbeck, though. It's uh. Like the fact that we know he can hit for power, so having you know hitting six extra base hits out of his ten hits, that shouldn't really surprise anybody. It's the fact that the strikeouts are still there even in spring. Come on, man. Um, he's gonna. It's good to see them wanting to get him around. You know the infield. I don't think shortstop's ever gonna stick. I don't think. I think he'd be more of an emergency shortstop. They're not gonna like. But think about it. Like they're just seeing what they can do with him because. I think he's going to play first base and third base like he did last year at times, especially, you know, give Devers day off, et cetera. He, uh, Dalbuck's going to have a role against lefties, probably platooning with Cassis. So, and Cassis is another guy that I don't know what, where he's going to hit. It's, it's, it's one of those guys where we need to see this is a team missing a lot of its parts and, a lot, and have a lot of questions. We saw Cassis lead off. And I'm like, I never thought I was going to stick. But we have seen him bat second a lot. He's hit second, one, two, three, four, five, six of his like 10 starts rough. I'm, up, I'm rounding up on the start total, give or take 10, but batting, he should bat between two and five, which is a huge range, but it's a core part of the lineup. Never, yeah. no, nevertheless. So I think Cassis is locked into a top spot in this lineup between two and five, two and five. But if he bats second, it's a huge boost. It's just, but 
Will he though? There, like you mentioned you mentioned Devers is out. Uh, uh, Yoshida's out. Uh, Turner's out right now. So um, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm I don't know what to expect if he's batting. Either way, it's going to be a top five part of his lineup. He's going to he's showing that he's hitting power, good on base skills. I think that's the type of skill set you should expect. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I guess we'll have to wait and see for all these moving pieces. Uh, let's go to the Bronx because this will be a fun one for you now. Uh, the New York Yankees, it's the Oswald Peraza versus Anthony Volpe conversation. I've been team Peraza this entire time. Oswaldo um, Cabrera is getting regular playing time with the outfield injuries. I like him a lot. I've been taking him late in drafts. Uh, what are some of the standouts from the Yankees' perspective on draft day that could uh, give you a little boom? Because we obviously know the judges of the world and stuff. That ain't changing. I mean, we're over here trying to find a way for Volpe, Volpe to get into the lineup, and right now there isn't a clear one. They they would need that goes back to probably why they were trying to trade, or at least why the rumors were of them trading Glaber Torres, because that's mm-hmm. the clear spot where they'd play Volpe. Because I do think Peraza's glove is going to get him to stay at shortstop, and he's already kind of he's made his debut and he showed that he's worthy of of starting there. They already made a comment about uh, IKF playing center field because he's prepping for more of a utility role. That was they they said that he was going to play more more of a utility role at the start of spring training. So of course seeing it in action is nice. You know they didn't they didn't go back on that the whole thing. So um I think I always mess up Cabrera Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza. I those that's that's never going to stop. But I think Cabrera he's a guy actually I, I was a little late to the party on I was I was afraid of the playing time because I was afraid they were going to be stuck like with Hicks but the team's already dealing with injuries. Cabrera played, I think, five positions last year, so they can move him around as needed anyway. So I think just between utility and the fact that there's more than enough playing time in the outfield between just being better than Hicks and um, Bader being out, I think Cabrera's locked in some playing time. I really like Cabrera. Um, I do like Peraza a lot. And Volpe, I really do. like. I, he's a, he's one of those few guys I would stash because I think he's up early, if even if he doesn't break camp. But this goes back to he's not on the 40-man. He's the one man not on the 40 man out of all these names. And that matters. Like, oh, we, I, can't, I can't stress that enough. That matters because if he's on the 40 man, he's not playing for the team. Sorry to break it to you. Now, again, this can always change like that. You know, someone, someone can be added to the 40 man real quick. No problems. But they have to do it first. And until they do that, he's the odd man out, like it or not. He's, only, he's not even 22 years old yet. He, he in his small, small sample AAA last year, he struggled, or at least struggled with the strikeouts. I could see them sending him back there for some seasoning. There's no reason why he shouldn't be up with the team, but the team, this is one of the one of the times where the Yankees actually have depth. They, they have middle infield depth. They just do, and that's not common. But they, I mean, what they have Glaber Torres, they have they have Praza, and then they have DJ LeMahieu to factor into yeah, second base DJ. and third base. They haven't even tried Volpe at third base, where maybe that would have made sense. But Volpe doesn't, you know, they haven't tried him there. They have Donaldson at third base as well. They they have options. They have they have IKF who could play the middle infield. Mm-hmm. That's part of the issue is that a team that now don't get me wrong, and one injury changes probably all this, but it's one of the it's like the only spot the Yankees have depth at, and they need to get Volpe playing another position or something if they want to make push it. But Volpe is doing what all he can do to force their hand. It's just a matter of I don't see where he plays day one, is all it is. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I think he's super talented. Nothing against the kid. But Peraza's going to get the job. Uh, Cabrera looks awesome. He's even looking at your sheet playing all over during the spring even. I guess just, yeah. it's it's a lot of fun with, with, with him. So some interesting things there in uh, New York to keep an eye on, especially with all these injuries in play. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays, they're a problem even without the WBC every year. 
now we have the WBC, but a lot of their players are still here. Like we know Rosarena when he comes back will be in his spot and so on and so forth. But what are some of the standouts? I know like you've and some others have talking Josh Lowe. It's gotten my attention uh, in drafts. Uh, anybody else standing out to you? Any lineups, positions maybe that, that look differently? So the race, <laughs> they're doing yeah. race things. Uh, the good news is they're, they're starting to slowly send people down, which is nice, but they actually have a ton of players in the WBC guys like parade. I have, I have to actually find it. It's frustrating because they have a, I think, where's it right here. They have, I think the most or one of the most Isak parade is, uh, Oh, they have Siri back already. Right? No, I thought I saw Siri in the lineup. or Siri didn't go. I, I thought I saw him in the lineup. Yeah, I saw him in the, the other day. Siri didn't go. He, he didn't go. So yeah, I have because I have a list here. Benton Court is uh, is gone right now. Mejia is gone, which those two we already know that those two. Uh, Franco's gone. Aranda's gone. So we haven't seen how Aranda is going to factor in necessarily. Even though I feel like it's more of a first base thing. I thought there was an off chance he could play third just to find out he's a butcher with the glove. So I got corrected real quick when I thought that there was a chance because it almost made too much sense to platoon Paredes with uh with Aranda just on paper on in my brain process because lefty righty splits etc but no Pratis plays way better defense than Aranda so that was I was just wrong there straight up wrong I've already claimed that L my first L of the season was thinking that Pratis wouldn't be the starting third baseman necessarily just because of how they treated him last year they made a point to platoon him even with guys that couldn't hit the ball and like to lots like of Pratis shares over here lots of Pratis well shares. Walls is, Walls is back so don't count your blessings yet but yes Pratis is a guy that I realized I was too low on that I'm, I'm gonna go update my rankings probably tomorrow and he'll be one of the guys that move up but uh, Paredes is a guy that, uh, yeah, I think his playing time is rather secure at their base, unless they really prefer Wall's glove. But even then, the, defensively, the metrics they were kind of similar. So I don't think I don't know why they wouldn't give Paredes full run. But Curtis Mead is on the heels there, so gotta be mindful. Mead played third base all spring, and although people have possibly said that he might be put more of a second or second baseman type. He's been, he played third base all spring. So, and Mead is their top prospect and a strong, a solid prospect at that. If he, there's not really much left for him to do in the minors either. So, if he continues picking up where he left off, I don't think, I think he's going to be called up sooner than later, which gives them more depth at spots. They don't need him. So, uh, Paredes might have a short leash, is my concern. But that's the only thing I'm like, it's just a matter of, where are they going to fit? And Josh Lowe, I really like Josh Lowe, what he's doing this year. Apparently, I've heard that he's uh, changed up his, like, he's shortened his swing a little bit and a little more aggressive of an approach, which is working out for him this spring. But where is he going to play right now? I just, yeah, I, I think I think he deserves to play over guys like Siri or even Margot. But right now, they have Siri, they have Margot, they have, um, they have Harold Ramirez, who's going to factor into the corner outfield probably, even though he shouldn't. But it's the Rays. They'll figure it out a way to screw it up. Uh, Rays will also let him DH, Ramirez, that is. And they also have um, a Rosarania, obviously. So they had the outfield spoken for. But Josh Lowe has earned a look. So I don't know, will they make a point? And they can use some righties in this lineup. If you look past their top four, the projected lineup is expected to be righties all the way from top to, from five through nine. So maybe Siri can weak side platoon with them. I mean, it's not like Siri was a fixture in this lineup. I know he kind of earned it last year. But do they really want to hinder Lowe's progress? And the fact that they can use a lefty in that bottom half of the lineup, do they want to maybe let low roll into the season starting? That's possible. It's um, it's too yeah. early to say that. I, this is just this is me guessing. I don't. Yeah. That's the word. Speculating. Way sounds way better than guessing. <laughs> sounds like I might know what I'm talking about. It's just ways of like it, just trying to make sense of it because why would you hinder a, a player that might be dealing with some confidence issues coming off last year? It was down year top prospect. Mm-hmm. 
you know, has the skills to be a major leaguer. His brother, uh, Nate Nathaniel Lowe, I, I don't, I mean, it's in, it's a, it's a pedigree thing at this point. And Lowe figured it out once he got traded. He was also a former Ray prospect. <laughs> he figured it out he, once he got traded. So maybe he got some pointers from his brother. And maybe that's why we're seeing the more aggressive approach this spring. But ultimately, I like Josh Lowe a lot. I, and he's going reserve rounds and he's, he's not getting drafted in 12s at all. So if you're looking for a guy just for the end of your bench, the guy that played that little game that Jenstead mentioned, he's a perfect guy because mm-hmm. if he, he goes back to last year, remember the there was a spending spree on him last year too. Same oh, spending yeah. spree. Now with the hot spring, the same spending spree will happen if if people aren't ready for it, you know, or people aren't drafting him and getting him stashed. Yeah, so. no, I'm 100% on board with you on the low thing. I've been kind of paying attention to his spring, and it stands out because it's one of those things. Like some guys have hot springs, but then there's like top prospects who – had a tough first go and we've seen the changes of approach like you mentioned and it's working that gets my attention like those are things that, like i look at going okay this this is the guy we were kind of hoping for let's see where it continues to go type situation so he's interesting to me but there's like so many moving parts like you said marco has trouble staying healthy we'll be honest there uh series there because he's an amazing defender like outstanding glove can steal bags he'll at night that's something they just want to play defense so that that's the problem there so we'll wait and see harold ramirez like yeah he should be playing first base or dh but you know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, it's the race. It's the race. So nicest way I can put it. Let's wrap up the AL East and head to Toronto to the Blue Jays, where again, this is a team that it feels like has it pretty much laid out. Is there anything that kind of stands out to you in Toronto? Sorry, my son's still here. Uh, I'll be right there, oh, buddy. Good. I promise. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, so Toronto, uh, Varsho batting like sixth actually caught my attention just because I didn't expect Belt to be the reason why. Um, Belt, yeah. since at least right now, Belt entered the lineup finally and he's been batting like fourth consistently, third, fourth. And then that pushed Varsho in like a couple lineups that actually had a lot of starters in it that pushed him closer to fifth or sixth. So although Varsho's still batting top six in a really good lineup, I'm surprised it was him that got the bump down lineup over Belt. It could just be Belt getting reps. It's still early enough in Belt, you know, just now getting into the games for it to matter. Um, but ultimately, yeah, Varsho betting six, not ideal. I mean, still a strong lineup, so he'll still, you know, he'll still get his. And I think it was what Zimmerman with the article that batting six is like another leadoff spot in the lineup, so he should still run plenty or could still run. That was one of the better spots still running in the lineup, so maybe the stolen bases will still be just fine there. But this is one of those lineups where, other than like the middle there, it's going to be interesting to see the fallout because uh, it's, I mean, it's rather not, not interesting to see fallout. It's going to, we know who's going to play. It's just a matter of where they hit in the lineup. But Belt batting fourth, if that holds, that's interesting. Your boy Brandon Belt, cleanup hitter for the Blue Jays. And they move the fences in for the lefties there. What? Oh, I'm a big, I'm a big belt fan. I've been a, a big belt fan in this whole situation. So, didn't expect it to be hitting cleanup. I'll be honest. Uh, yeah. I think there's a lot, lot of moving parts there still. But um, I was just happy because I, I believe he's going to play pretty much every day, which is, uh, which is pretty fun in that ballpark in that uh, in that lineup. I think there's a lot to like with Brandon Belt and uh, for, for the 50 games healthy. he plays. <laughs> yeah, I was like, just stay healthy. <laughs> God damn it, just stay healthy. I think the DH should help him a little bit, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. AL Central, Chicago White Sox, you know, you got your boy Eloy, but um, a lot of the main guys are, are not going to be moving around too much. But, you know, Yohan Moncada, Benintendi's there. What do you see? Like Oscar Colas, I guess, is the big name. Does he get a shot? Um, how, how are we looking at the White Sox? So 
Colas goes back to guess who's not on the 40 man for their team. And that's like, I don't, I don't know well. So they, he's forcing their hand too, but that was, this was one of those situations where clear need in right field, obviously Eloy will factor because Eloy's not going to just DH full time in his early twenties, whatever, mid twenties. But uh, it's one of those things where this team was, uh, they were made, they, they need that right fielder. And I feel like Colas should be playing over sheets. Like uh, that shouldn't really be, a discussion, but it was sheets that was getting the spots, the, the starting or the starts over them. But then, if you look at it recently, when they had the chance to play them in the same lineups, which again, this lineup is missing key parts, so it could just be a matter of getting guys reps elsewhere. But you're seeing sheets play first base while Colos plays right field, which is if they're fighting for that spot, Colos is getting the reps. And this is after you know, players starting to get sent down and Colossus is remain with the team, which is why there's optimism around Colossus and Volpe. These are guys that aren't on the 40-man, but even while they're sending other players down around them, these guys are staying up. Is it for added reps with the big league team, added comfort, added looks? Um, reports around both have been positive, so it's tough, but um, ultimately ultimately, you have Colossus here that has my attention, and I, he's, he's, he deserves to be a starter. I he yeah. but, And his price, the price is actually very palatable as well so it's one of those like there's really no real risk where he's going if you want to take the shot and you could drop him come week one of fab if you have to because the upside's there and he showed and he started flashing the power finally because uh at first he wasn't really showing us the power for some reason but he has two home runs i think he had two home runs like the last couple games and then he isn't the most efficient on the base pass unfortunately but who cares like he's still gonna run i think um ultimately though yeah Colossus has been the big takeaway here and then the what ben attendee batting third the yeah. what the new manager said that that's pretty much gonna happen and although it hasn't come around in terms of the results yet we're talking such a small sample I'm not really worried good on base skills still walking way striking out it's it's ben attendee you know what to expect you're lucky if you get 15 10 type of thing maybe 15 15 on a good year yeah not not the best not the best for sure uh, let's go to Cleveland. Cleveland Guardians, um, again, another team that doesn't do much for me when the regular lineup's there. It is it is pretty good, actually. It's the top part of it. Are there any surprise names we should be looking at? Because, you know, on paper, I think Quan Rosario, J. Ram Bell, Naylor, Andres Jimenez, even Oscar Gonzalez, it seems like that's pretty much locked in. Uh, anything else we should be looking at in Cleveland? So with Cleveland, um, the only thing is, is like they usually have a util guy. Last year was Owen Miller. Uh, this year, I think Tyler Freeman was expected to be that guy, but Freeman's been really rather awful this spring. So that led me down this rabbit hole of Gabriel uh, Arias. Arias? Arias? Uh, we'll get the pronunciation guide soon enough. But uh, he was the name that caught my attention because he played. He's played. Um, I have the notes actually written down here somewhere. Don't mind me. I think five positions this spring already. And if he's played that many positions, it has been second base, shortstop, third base, left. So four positions, all all through uh, three. You know, second base, third base, shortstop, and then left field. So if Arias is playing those positions, he has an eight forty eight OPS. He and this is when stats might matter because, again, I mentioned uh, Freeman. Freeman has a three fifty two OPS. These guys are kind of fighting. What I feel like are fighting for like the same spot or same role on the team. That's why I feel like Arias might matter just because he has that potential to be a utility type for this team. So one injury, his playing time goes up substantially. Not to mention he should factor in a few games a week as it is once the season gets going as that utility type, giving guys all, uh, days off. And then Will Brennan is just another name to keep top of mind because he could be fourth outfield type. Um, another guy that if there's one injury power speed combination good hit tool 
uh, a guy like I think is toolsy, a guy that can his back can keep him in the lineup. It's just a matter of getting an opportunity, but he's probably gonna need an injury more than anything else. So those two names are kind of just like the other names, just like hey, keep your name, keep your eyes on these two guys because they have paths to playing time. If but a starter needs to go down. Gotcha. Yeah, I've heard Brennan's name a few times, so I will keep him on the radar. Detroit Tigers, oh so fun. Detroit Tigers. Um, are we are we doing this Akil Badoop dance again? Um, I know if Spencer Torkelson has sucked this spring, it's still the Tigers. Are we concerned about anybody in a fantasy perspective here? No, I think uh, Riley Green's been elevating the ball more, so that's kind of interesting. Just because that was kind of the biggest issue was the was the elevation the ground balls he hit Riley green hit too many ground balls that was just the big thing but um third base nick matone looks like he's got a clear shot at it now because they had uh andre lipsius i'm gonna butcher that last name lipsius lipsius uh lipsius i, I wish I, that's a, one of those names where if you're not a prospector or into the Tigers system you probably won't know it and i apologize for butchering it but uh he was a guy that had my attention just because he was hitting very well he's on the 40 man and was playing played multiple positions in spring i thought maybe he could sneak into a util role maybe they have bigger plans for him because they don't have him they sent him down today so matone or matten nick nick matten Matone, Matone, Nick, Nick Matone. Matone is Matone. See, I, I, I need to stop questioning myself because I, you listen, what, what it is, is you hear these names so much, but if you don't say them out loud because these are such fringe random names, you'd feel, anyway, it doesn't matter. Now I'm just making might be, might be Matone, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, well, I know that he's not relevant outside of AL only and some really deep leagues, but he's going to play every day at third base, looks like, and uh, showed a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. So there is some power speed there it's not like he's a zero for things and again the playing time is there so that's worth mentioning uh carry carpenter lefty big power upside kind of reminds me of like a Derek hall type <laughs> in terms of just like what you can get skill set wise and but playing time is also there lefty bigger bat um veerling was playing regularly so i'm wondering if can veerling come back and push for a more regular role when he gets back from injury because veerling was playing a little more regularly in spring and they did go out and trade for him yeah. And uh, that's about it for this team. Uh, I'm not really interested in Badu. I just don't. I don't want to play that game again. And Badu, how long is the leash really going to be? We saw them have a short leash last year. He's not a top prospect. They don't really owe him anything. Whereas I do think Torque could get some run. And Torque is hitting the snot out of the ball. He's been rather unlucky. Unlucky. He was like one of the guys. Like Statcast is only capturing certain data, but he was like one of four players with like at the time when I looked, he was one of four players with double digit hard hit balls in spring. And like he was the only one with like under fifty percent of them being not for hits. He had like only thirty, only three out, only three out of ten went for hits. Meanwhile, the other guys were fifty or sixty, like so five out of six, five or six out of ten for the other three names landed for hits. So he was just he was getting unlucky with those hard hit balls. He's been hit, and if you see watch the tape, he's hitting it's not out of the ball, but right at people, and it's just like I don't. I feel like he's coming around. He also hired a, a Torkelson hired a mental health coach to help him get, like I guess, mentally stronger, which these days, mental health being at the forefront of a lot of things, including sports, I think that matters. I think something like that, you can't really measure that in the numbers, but maybe you can. Maybe that's why he's getting better contact on the ball. Maybe he's at ease. Maybe things aren't going his way, and he's still able to go out and still do the things right. It's just not it's not showing up in the numbers yet. But Torque is a guy that I'm intrigued. I just, I'm, not, I'm just, you know, not going to expect a whole lot, but there are signs of – of potential for reasons to believe into why there could be a positive outcome there for tour. 
And we're looking at bench bats. He's a 318 ADP, so he's not going to cost you anything if you want to take a gamble. And then real quick on the Veerling thing, there's there's some power speed there if he could play regularly. So that's an, a name to keep an eye on. Like you said, he's, he's not even getting drafted in 12s right now. So something to keep in mind. Kansas City Royals, a, a fun squad, you know, with the, the Wits and the Melendezes and Salvies and Vinny Pease. Then it gets kind of interesting the farther down the lineup you go. So anything standing out to you for some fantasy relevance with some of the fringy players at the bottom? It just depends on who's going to play. Michael Massey is interesting in terms of just like, because we saw him flash power speed last year. We know that's in the skill set and we know the playing time should be there for Massey. So Massey's a guy that I have intrigue, uh, interest in and intrigue in. Uh, can Cal- a spell finally come around? I wouldn't bank on it. But and Edward Olivares, we've, we've been asking for it. We finally got it, right? Like he should be freed. But mm-hmm. will he finally uh, will he finally give us that type of production we want now that he is freed? We'll finally find out, which is nice. And Nate Eaton, another power speed combination guy that can kind of factor in. Just these are just late late guys to think about if you're looking for power speed potential and playing time. I think it's kind of fun that this team has these types of options to for fantasy purposes because otherwise, um, there is no interest in this team. Like real life, I feel like they're gonna obviously they're gonna struggle, but there is fantasy interest there because you know Nate Eaton can run. We saw him run in spurts last year even. Power might not be there, but Michael Massey has a little bit of power and speed. Olivares, we know how good he can be. We always hoped for it. So it's just like these same names, but they're just, but there's, this is probably one of the clearest past the playing time we've seen from some of these guys is really the difference here. And what's fun is you, Olivares 343, Massey 350. Like you get you guys super late. And these mm-hmm. could be actually starters in a baseball team that could be on your roster. So it's pretty wild to, uh, to consider that but what bad teams do they get you late round picks that's kind of the way they, things work <laughs> um let's wrap up the al central here with the minnesota twins another team they were missing some players at the the wbc but um for the most part if buxton's healthy we know where he's at um i guess it comes down to like do we think kirloff gets the gig i know he's been battling injuries already uh how do you see that all, all those uh kind of bottom positions playing out that's the thing. It's uh, we haven't seen half their roster this spring, and none of them. There's like none of them in the WBC. It feels like uh, even what's his face stayed back, and he's been hit with the shoulder. He's been hitting well, even though he's barely. You know, he was supposed to play in the WBC. Uh, what's his face, Miranda? He's had a decent Miranda, spring, yeah. but you have Kepler, who's been. You know, that's my guy. I love Kepler this year. Uh, been all over him and playing time. Although I expected him to platoon, I'm wondering if that's even going to be the case now. Because do they really have options? And Nick Gordon, I don't see why he wouldn't start. They, uh, he should be back soon. It looks like they sent down uh, Edward, Edward Julian. So if Julian's not going to start up. I feel like that's a good sign for Nick Gordon's health because I feel like Nick Gordon was kind of the only thing holding him back. We haven't seen Polanco this spring. We haven't seen Bucks, Bucks in the spring. We haven't seen Kurloff this spring. If Kurloff doesn't play, does Gallo start at first base, letting Michael Taylor get more run? We've seen, and the reason why I ask you that is because Gallo, I feel like, did Gallo ever play first base in the past? I know he's it played feels his like first. He did. I think he did because I know he's been playing in the spring. So there's that. So there's a positional eligibility potential there. And Gallo, he's not striking out that badly for his take. Uh, 28% for Gallo. That's great. I don't think that carries over when he sees major league pitching, but playing time should be there for Gallo. At the very least, at a strong side platoon. So if you're looking for power late, you know it's expected from Gallo, and he could gain first base eligibility. Yeah, with um, Gallo, he played in 2017, he played 59 games at first, 2018, he played 35. And I see, I thought so. I thought he played first base. And then um, we have what Monday, 
I, I missed this news, so I just looked it up and I found it that Kriloff, it's they're non-committal if he'll be ready for opening day. That's ne- he's yeah. a little behind schedule. Yeah, that, to me that tells me he's not going to be ready for opening no, day. The wrist that is means, still a problem. We haven't even started the season yet. This is that that good. means that tells me that it's probably going to be we're going to see Michael A. Taylor day one already, and we're going to see Gallo play first base probably, which is going to push. Which again, this goes back to Nick Gordon kind of being an everyday player because of injury this part of what was his, his appeal is that there's playing time just based on just in general but then of course injuries will secure him and he'll move around and it'll be interesting to see what eligibility he ends up with this year but he could play, he played i think seven positions last year it was stupid how many positions nick gordon can play and he has a fancy uh fancy relevant uh skill set too so he's yep. gonna play and give us power and speed something his brother couldn't do yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, it's an it's an interesting squad. The Karoloff news just sucks. The talent is so good. That wrist just kind of derailed him completely. Uh let's go to the AL West as we head on out. Uh the Houston Astros, another team who has a handful of players in the WBC. So it's kind of we're getting a bunch of scrubbies uh out there, but this is the team that's pretty much locked in. I'd almost say one through nine, but maybe there's a couple couple little spots you can play with. But how how are you seeing this look in uh, Houston? Yeah, it's really just center field. Jake Myers, Chaz McCormick. Um, it's going to depend also on uh, how healthy is Brantley. Does Brantley uh, break camp? Because if not, then there's an open spot there. But if there is, but then they, uh, what's his face already said that Brantley, his spot is batting second, second which no matter what, yeah, which so is not cool. a surprise. Which is if you look last year, every one of his starts, what 80, 60, whatever starts he had, Brantley started every single game that he's played at uh, batting two, batting second. So that's going to put a hindrance on Tucker. And I know Ross Resource shows Tucker batting second, but even yeah, in the play, even in the playoffs, we saw Tucker not bat second in favor of Jeremy Pena. So yep. even if so, if nothing else, you can expect Pena to move up. I would think, which is weird because it doesn't give him that whole lefty righty lefty righty thing that Dusty likes to do. But this team isn't built for that this year either. It looks like um, Tucker's probably going to still. I still think Tucker bats fourth, fifth to start the year, and it's all going to depend on health. But everyone's gonna move up one. I think we just or Tucker goes back to batting six and paying his second. Either way, it's just one of those things where Brantley's gonna back second when he's in the lineup. We know that. And I think Tucker gets bumped back down closer to sixth, where he's always even last year he batted most of the time fifth, and that was because because of, of injury, because Brantley moved out of the lineup. So but Tucker's we know how effective he is regardless of where he hits in the lineup. It's just a matter of, it just sucks. We can't get him to bat top half of the lineup for a full season or at all, even in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. Biggest yeah, stage yeah. of the season, B- biggest games, and Pena was in the two preach, spot. You know preach I mean? to the choir, my friend. Preach to the choir. That's my so, boy. So, yeah, it's <laughs> frustrating. Frustrating. He's still a fantasy beast, hitting six. Like God, just imagine if he had a real spot in the order, what could take place? It'd be absolutely glorious. So, we'll wait and see on that one. Let's go to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, Brandon Drury is an interesting one for me because he can play all over the place. Uh, the catching situation is kind of up in the air because, like, some, some people that really follow the Angels say Stassi's the starter. Oh, Hoppy probably starts in the minors. Uh, what are you seeing from this team when it comes to uh, some of the kind of positions that are up in the air? Yeah, see, I heard that too, but I wish they would just make it happen. But then what, Matt Thice is going to start up in the years as the depth catcher, of, I guess? Out of options. Yep, out of options. So that's – I'm thinking – but it, was he mm. – He's yeah. on the forty man too. I know that. Um, yes, he is. I guess that. I mean, I guess that makes sense that they want to go that route. I wish they wouldn't, but yeah. Because if not, Ohape is kind of the same. He's in that same discussion as Moreno and uh, Campisano, where it's just 
if he play, assuming that he's up, he plays majority of the time because well, here's the thing: Stasi's gonna probably get injured sooner than later. Unfortunately, just the guy True. can't. He just can't stay healthy. And I hate to say that because you know you don't really ever root for injury. It just is what it is. Stasi hasn't stayed healthy. He's 32 years old. They want this team wants to compete. Why would they not bring up who they thought was the best to help them do that? So I'd be surprised if Ohapi did give him the best opportunity to play. That if he's down for long anyway. Um, however, looking at this team, my big thing is I don't see a path to Rangifo being a starter, and I think that's a big deal because Rangifo is being drafted as a starter, I believe. At least he was for a long period of time this draft season. And uh, he his he has terrible he's like a sub, he had like a sub 700 OPS against righties last year. So Rangifo starting against lefties seems likely, but against righties, I don't see a spot for him. Drury's gonna play second. Shortstop might have been the only spot you can argue, and even then, he was—he hasn't. Oh, I, let me see. I, mean, I stopped looking. I stopped watching if he's playing shortstop because he hasn't—he didn't take a single rep up until like a, at least a couple like days ago. So yeah, Rangifo was playing the outfield for WBC teams. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking right now, and we haven't seen um, Rangifo play a single bit of shortstop either for while while being up here with with this team too. So. He can't, and it's not like he, he wasn't good defender there either last year. So I, I, I'm not surprised, but it's going to take an injury for Ngifo to get a regular spot in the in the infield. Now he can play second, third, all that. So we'll see. But um, ultimately, Ngifo is like an odd man out and not not being drafted as such. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm out. I'm out on Ngifo, and I'm not seeing a spot for him to start for this team. Otherwise, this team you can look at it on paper and get a good idea of what to expect. This is pretty cut yeah. and dry. And the manager already said Ward is going to lead off. Rendon's going to be his fourth spot hitter. That kind of leaves Otani and Trout batting second, third, which is fine. Renfro was in a great spot batting fifth. And fifth, phenomenal. Uh, Drury batting sixth. Normally that's a bad thing, but on this team, not terrible. Could be pretty good. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, and this team's younger than the Dodgers. <laughs> Sorry, most teams are going to be, but it just blows my. Yeah. It blows my mind. If I told you the average, like the average player here is hovering around twenty eight to 30, 31 ish, and then the Dodgers' average player was like thirty three. Wild. Yep. Let's talk about a team that's got all their players are almost younger than the average Dodgers' age, but that's because they are not going to be good, and that's the Oakland Athletics. Um, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of pieces we don't care about in fantasy, basically. What on this team coming out of spring is fantasy relevant for us? Uh, fantasy relevant is a very, very – you're being a little too technical here. I don't think this team has much of that. But, uh, yeah, that's, like, that's why at, I was like trying to say it, yeah. Um, Estuary Ruiz possibly leading off. I mean, he hasn't really forced their hand into it, but he's been leading off a lot. Maybe it's just them getting him plate appearances. But he even led off in a lineup with Camp in. Uh, Kemp being the only real threat to leading off and Kemp being usually leading off against righties. Langleers is going to catch. So that's, you know, gaining some eligibility. That matters. Gaining catch eligibility from a guy who's util only and should happen rather quickly, about a week and a half into the season for those 10 games, give or take. So maybe two weeks, regardless. Uh, Loreano, power speed, we know what to get there. He might be batting oddly fifth or sixth in the lineup though which maybe that's just maybe it just seems weird for them to be giving him those regular reps there even in lineups that he shouldn't be getting those reps there so maybe that is their plan for loriano which is weird because you would think they'd want to showcase him for a trade loriano could be batting lower in lineup than we anticipated so that's something worth mentioning or noting or paying attention to and ryan noda let me see how he's doing because he was someone that actually caught my attention initially yeah me too uh he was just cranking the ball showing really strong on base skills and 
this goes back to Seth Brown only playing the outfield. That's why he was he caught my attention because Seth and Brown is a rule five, I think, too, right? Oh, was see, I don't I don't recall that. So I think Note is a rule five. So which that's would another actually, factor. Which is actually pretty cool then because that um, that really helps his uh, his whole thing because Noda okay so he slowed down a lot the on base skills are still great three fifty one OBP this this uh, spring but the strikeouts are a concern and sub two hundred batting average isn't going to play it's a seven forty four OPS not great forty um, percent strikeout rate so yeah Noda went down quickly <laughs> this spring he was hitting very well and. Uh, Connor Capel is another name that caught my attention, but it's just a lack of playing time unless they put Seth Brown at first base because uh, or a DH. But Capel is a guy that uh, power and speed, and he's throwing at the spring two home runs, two stolen bases, batting 280, 1,000 OPS, whatever, don't care about that. But he has a sound approach. If you look at like, the underlying numbers last year weren't great for the power metrics, but the, the approach was there, and he does hit for enough power where it's not a zero, even though the metrics aren't there, but he runs well. And he has a 13% strikeout rate this spring, so the strikeouts are also carrying over. Um, what four total extra base hits out of his seven walking more than you're striking out. That's a kind of high skill set. I really like to see in a player like this on a team that should make a point to uh start play him at least too. So I think capital could be sneaky as a guy that no one's really talking about has a lot of potential for being fantasy relevant. Cause this team has no reason not to play them. It's just a matter of where, the, where do they play Seth Brown? If they play Seth Brown at DH and first base capital has a spot If they are set on playing, Seth Brown in the corner outfield capital could be limited unless they start Ruiz down too. Cause Ruiz isn't guaranteed to start break camp with this team. He's good. He should. Why not see what they have in him? But he has options. That'd be, that'd be, ins- that'd be insane. If he didn't start out with them, that'd be wild. If that well, took they, place. I, we, everyone thought Blade was guaranteed and Blade's already. Oh, I know, but down. when I saw Blade got sent down, I was surprised by that too. So, yeah. Well, and that, that goes back to that's why when we monitor these spring training lineups, we look at where players are playing a lot. And the fact that Seth Brown is like strictly in the outfield told me that there wasn't a chance that there was a chance that Ruiz and Blade, one of them weren't going to make the team just because they lacked a spot for everyday playing time without an injury. Now, Loriano could easily get injured and now there's a wide open spot. But just this. You know, just to sit here and disregard Connor Capel as being an option is also a mistake just because. He's he's putting up numbers. He's proving himself in his opportunities. Even last year, if you look him up, you'd be. I think you might be surprised that he was actually not bad, even when he was up with the team last year too. So that's why it's like we're over here. We're looking for these flashy names and the big names, but a guy like Capel could be difference making in fantasy, especially considering that you're not. No one's really drafting him. No one's really even talking about him. No, this is uh, honestly the first time I've really discussed them at all st so, louis outfielder uh, yeah. last year st louis outfielder that's all you gotta know st louis outfielder think randy rosarania um very interesting last year if you look at last year a cross between the two double a the between the two triple a stops in the major leagues 13 home runs and 23 stolen bases always strong plate disciplines too what sub 17 percent strikeout rate at both at triple a for st louis and major league stop here or sorry his two combined major league stops hit over 300 last year and that was with just a 317 babbitt the guy, what, since 2021 has put up w, uh, WRC plus of at least 110 at every stop. So I don't know. It's just one of those things where we're just disregarding. We're just we're like, just throwing this guy away and not even thinking twice about him when he could be relevant this year. Like, I don't know, Capel's guy. Yeah, Capel's guy that I have no shares of, and I, I'm planning on changing that in this DC I'm in as a, like a, one of those final 10-round picks. Him, Sable, and uh, now that I'm just saying all my options, now people are going to try. Anyway, listening <laughs> in my things and put him, Sable, and uh, 
there's a couple others. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to wisely. Those are guys I really like in the final 10 rounds, but like DC, DC season's over. So keep these guys. I call these guys watchless warriors. It's corny. It's cliche, but it's a good, that's where, that's where they belong on your watch list entering the yeah. year. At the very it's, least. it's very interesting calls. I like this, this one uh, from Oakland. Very, very intriguing Capel. to me. Connor Capel. Capel. Let's go to Seattle. Seattle Mariners, you know, J-Rod was the big dude from spring last year, and it paid off in a big, big way. Kalinick's having a big spring this year. Is that something we're buying into? What do we have in Seattle that stands out for us? So I was big on uh, another random name, uh, Cade Marlowe, but he's been dealing with injury. But if you look at him, he has the flashy tools, and DePoto, DePoto name-dropped him. The Poto name dropped him. And the fact that the Poto actually went out of his way to name drop somebody that was like, okay. And he's a lefty too. So it wasn't like he could just platoon with like Kelnick or something. It was a guy that he expected to factor in. And I was like, huh? So I look, I, I kept my eye on him and he was showing up some power speed this spring, but he's done with an injury. So that might derail his potential for, um, for breaking camp with the team. But other than that random name, um, the the Kelnick thing, my thing is, it's not the tools. No one should be questioning Kelnick's tools. We all know Kelnick can crush a, a, a baseball. And if you actually look at somebody tweeted out, I forgot who it was that tweeted out all his home runs, but they were like meatballs down the middle. They were just off basketballs down the middle, and he's cranking them. As, but as he should. The good news should. is, <laughs> the good news is, is that he's hitting pitches he's supposed to hit. My big yeah. thing with him was the strikeouts, and he's he's correct. At first, the strikeouts were an issue to start spring. He has since corrected them. Last I looked. And that's kind of where I'm at, just watching his approach this spring, seeing if, you know, I'd have to go watch tape, but, like, is he putting the ball the opposite field? Is he able to hit lefties? Is, um, and his strikeout rate is slowly climbed down. It is sub-20% for the first time this spring. It's moving in the right direction. Is he seeing the ball better? Kalanick's a guy that I need to see the strikeouts come down. No one's questioning the talent. Four home runs, two stolen bases. He's going to do that when he's playing. It's just can he stop missing? when he swings the bat and um, we're seeing positive steps as spring goes on, which is encouraging reason enough to buy in and take a few shots. Cause he's still going at a palatable price. He's still like your outfielder four in leagues, I think, or three, maybe if you're, if you're reaching a little bit, but he's still pretty affordable and he's going to go up, but people are, you know, buyer beware for, and for right reasons, we've seen him dominate, you know, minor league pitching before. And that's what he's facing right now. But he's not. Uh, he's still in pretty friendly confines because, like, normally he's in the um whatever that league, uh, the Colorado, the Pacific League, or whatever. Yeah, the PCL. which is very PCL. Thank very you. hitter friendly. Very hitter friendly. Um, one other oh. question for Seattle: are, are we pretty confident in Colton Wong getting the leadoff spot? <laughs> That's where I was going to go with. So yeah, I think that. I mean, that they were showing he was he was leading off with every main lineup spot part, like everybody that was in the lineup that should have been. He was leading off, so. The big thing was Ty France started batting third. So that's like, you know, better RBI opportunities, less runs maybe. But, you know, because J-Rod's going to bat second, it sounds like. But I think Kelnick, I mean, Kelnick, I think Wong leading off is what we're going to see. I mean, that's what they showed us, and that's what they continue to show us. He has yet to hit anywhere else in the lineup this spring. And we're talking about, again, lineups that had full, like the full lineup in there at the beginning of the season or beginning of offseason. He was leading off in those two. So Colton Wong leadoff season, I think, is here, at least to start the year. Good, because that's what I've been, been touting them for. So it's beautiful. Um, let's go to the Texas Rangers, last team on this wonderful journey through spring training. Um, most of the lineups been around. Not many of them went to the WBC. Uh, I guess the biggest takeaway I've had so far is it looks like Robbie Grossman's going to have a starting job, which is interesting. Uh, what else are you seeing in Texas? 
So that one is there. He should be batting sixth or seventh. So there, it's not even like a tear. It's not even like the worst line of spot. It's not great, but it's like the fact that he's known from like an undrafted in some spot. It's uh, even for lefties. I'm guessing you're. Sorry, I just saw a comment. I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming Matt's referring to Robbie Grossman. You, like there'll probably be some sort of platoon there versus lefties. I'd imagine you got oh, guys with like, who. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. That's... Maybe, maybe that's a great question. I was gonna say when the Yardi Leoli Tavares comes back, maybe Bubba Thompson, but Leoli's a lefty too, so um, that's an interesting point. From who and Grossman switch hits, yeah. That's I, I know, well. I know, I know. Well, well, Grossman, wait, wait, wait. Grossman was in Atlanta, he was always on the weak side of the platoon at that. So the fact that, yeah, so if he's gonna, so if anything, he becomes the platoon partner, um, this gets even better for him. But yeah, so he's he looks like he's entering the year starting. Josh Smith would be like one of the only names, and maybe Clint Frazier if he makes the team would be other names to worry about in terms of outfield. But those guys aren't the defender that Grossman is. I maybe Smith might be, but I know I know we know Frazier is not. But my big takeaway was how healthy uh, Garver is. Garver, he's DHing, he's catching. The fact that he's catching in spring is, and multiple games, it's it shows that he should be. I think he'll be gaining uh, util rather quickly. Uh, sorry, catcher eligibility rather quickly. Garver will. I think Garver's gonna be more of like they have Brad Miller plugged in. I think Garver's gonna DH more times than not. Anyway, I don't think he's gonna be. I would, ima- strict, I would imagine so. I don't think he's gonna be in a strict platoon. Um, I think Garver's gonna hit plenty in D. I think Garver's gonna become a really solid catcher too. And we're getting him at like not catcher, like not even a starting catcher too. Like if I could, if I would, if I ranked him in my, which I think I'm gonna go back and rank him in my catchers. I don't know if I did. He's gonna be a top 25 catcher for me probably. Just for upside alone yeah. at the position. I, I could definitely see that. I think it's that regular playing time. Um, mm. Real quick, we have two listener questions, and I'll let you go play dad. Oh, yeah. Um, Larry Cardosa asks, who do you guys think will have the bigger fantasy impact as a rookie, Corbin Carroll or Gunnar Henderson? I'm going Corbin Carroll. Same. And it's for the fact that uh, Carroll has a safer profile and – Although I, you can argue Henderson might have like a, a little higher of a ceiling, that's very, it's still debatable. In fact, it's that debatable to me with Carroll having the floor in that profile that I like, like just that overall approach and the path of leading off pretty much all year and got paid, so they're not going to send him down at all. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And then Ben Tid has a question: Who are three players that Mike thinks have had the biggest boost to their playing time outlooks this spring? I should have prepped for that one, huh? Because <laughs> like we just we just talked. I think a big one. Um, I could just look at these teams and probably say uh, the big one. I think Paredes, at least in my opinion, because I know I was down on them. Paredes comes to mind. Isak Paredes just having no real options at third base to combat him. I think he goes from being somebody I thought might have been in a platoon to like okay, this should be his spot to lose. So that was a big one for me. Um, Let's see, Milwaukee going back to Brian Anderson. I think his stock is skyrocketing, but again, there's still that's still that's to be determined. I don't want to go that one. That's too. That's yeah, still, I'd still wait a little bit longer on once they get some of those players back. Yeah, and I still want to see more there because all it takes is one slow stretch, and our boy Terrain gets his spot. Um, oh, Oswaldo Oswald Cabrera, whichever one, something. Oh, Cabrera, <laughs> the first yeah, name is going to be is what I'm going with. But I think that's a good one, just because um we. We uh, weren't sure necessarily, not that we weren't sure, but it was kind of iffy to start the offseason. But it seems like not only is it his spot, but I feel like they're going to make a point to get him in the lineup at various spots again this year. And um, 
I don't really the last one I think I think oh after I mean we can go easy here Pittsburgh with McCutcheon like that was like a huge yeah. like he went from having no spot like maybe a weak side platoon with the Dodgers to hey he's gonna play every single day even though it's for the Pittsburgh Pirates it's still an everyday player who can do a little bit of power and still run stuff I think that was a big one that was and I mean I'm trying to think I want to give ADP, a better answer ADP than that. of three forty three. I'll throw in Robbie Grossman we just talked about. <laughs> That's the Grossman. Those Brandon are two Bell. guys that just, yeah. Grossman looked like he would be a fourth or fifth outfielder somewhere, and now he might start for the Rangers, which has a better lineup than it has in years past. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, that's pretty much it. Maybe, uh, I guess, obviously, Adam Frazier, too. Um, Lord, um, Alec Thomas, I feel like, just doesn't get enough love. I'm going to throw him out there, too, just because the the trade from Varsho really secured that, that outfield's playing time. You know, McCarthy, Varsho, yeah. uh, sorry, McCarthy, Thomas, and uh, Carroll, kind of, you know, the outfield for the first well, time. They, yeah, because they said they want that outfield because that's the best defensive outfield they can put out there. They want those three guys to be playing. Yeah, which I think we we entered the year with so much uncertainty there for the outfield that yep. those three guys all kind of gained from that trade, including Varsho gained from that trade too. Yeah, everybody won. Ending. That was one of those baseball trades that like everybody benefited from pretty much. Yeah, all right. I, I gave more than three names, but I, I just it's, it's hard to good. pick. <laughs> it is. It's tough. Uh, but we'll wrap it up there, my friend. Why don't you go ahead and plug what you got going on, where they can find you, and then we'll head on out from this awesome podcast. For those that stuck around, two hours. Hope you enjoyed it, but I uh, appreciate you having me on, Bubba. I knew it was going to be a long one. I'm a talker. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Anything I'm doing, I put on the Twitter machine. But uh, the things that we aren't working on together is just like the athletic, as you mentioned, and then the YouTube. It's actually – but go figure. The YouTube is YouTube.com at GTE Fantasy because it is our yeah. brand. It's YouTube made under our name anyway. So yeah. GTE Fantasies, we will find all my content and fantasy. And then there's, the, like I said, the YouTube, which is – I'm trying to get back into it. It's been really busy. I still do the shorts. So if you guys are into like 10 second videos, eight second videos, it's I, I do those, but I'm trying to get more into more. I'm trying to do a couple live streams a week and some exclusive video content just on YouTube. So that would be like the biggest thing that if it's not on Twitter, that I still post to Twitter, but it's not on Twitter where you'll find like the main part of it. So check out the YouTube. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, everybody should be checking out Curlin's work. It's awesome stuff. The spring training information is huge, as you can tell. It was a lot of info, but it's very important, especially for some of the moving parts that uh, you had about two and a half weeks of drafting left. And it's some very guys are getting sent down. Things might be a little more clear pretty soon. Half the WBC is going home uh, in the next couple hours. So we'll start having some more clarity in about a week or so. So these notes are going to be even more in depth and more hopefully getting locked in for a fantasy perspective, but uh, make sure you follow Mike on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Go check out gaining the edge fantasy, patreon.com backslash GTE fantasy with myself, Mike, Michael Simeone and Jorge Montanez. Go check out all that good stuff. I'm on Twitter at BDentric. This was bench with Bubba episode 576. Catch you guys next time.
one way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy